2: Okay, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 187. Uh, This week, it's time to start our annual year interview series. Uh, The series this year will be a little more condensed since we're starting uh, quite a bit later than we usually do. But we'll be doing two episodes here on the free feed. Uh, This one is, of course, our Miscellaneous Puro episode. We cover everything other than New Japan, DDT, and Joshi, since they all get their own episodes. Uh, next week on the free feed, we have a big stacked New Japan episode uh, with Joe and Rich from the VOW flagship and Joel and Damon from Super Jcast. That's already been recorded, so I can tell you that it was a great episode, and you'll uh, definitely want to tune back in next week for that. So that'll also be on the free feed. And then um, the other two episodes, DDT and Joshi, will both be on the Omakase Patreon. So definitely check that out at uh, patreon.com slash wrestlingomikase. I'll go through some of the other stuff on there uh, in a little bit after I introduce my guests, but the other two uh, year interview episodes will be on the Patreon this year. Uh, of course, the year interview episodes, we do these every year, basically just cover, you know, what the year was like for the promotions that we're talking about in that episode, and then we go through award picks for the promotions and ju- the promotions we're talking about, uh, plus we answer some of your questions. Uh, pretty, pretty simple, I think, but if you're a first-timer, I did want to explain that. Obviously, the year 2020 sucked in a billion different ways, but, you know, I still want to talk about the uh, best and worst of what wrestling had to offer in that year. Uh, you may notice this year we're not doing WWE because I didn't watch it, <laughs> that's pretty much all it comes down to. We've done it every other year, I think, but, like, I really just, I watched, like, two hours total of it after February, so, like, I couldn't do Empty Arena WWE, and I, I like, put the... I, I still ask people if they want to do it, and the answer I got was pretty much, like, no. <laughs> so I don't think anyone watched it this year, so uh, or no one you know connected to Voices of Wrestling. So that's why there's no WWE year interview this episode this year. I know that might be disappointing to some of you, because uh, I've heard that those episodes are pretty funny to listen to, I guess, but uh, in the past few years. But yeah, we didn't do one this year. Uh, there's also no AEW slash ROH episode like there was last year. Mostly just because I didn't want to talk about AEW. There's really no other good reason. I did watch plenty of it. Uh, just people people get very mad online if you bury AEW. And it would be more of a burial than positive. Because I didn't, I didn't level out of the year other than, uh, you know, a few matches here or there. So, you know, I just didn't feel up to doing it. So, that's really, there's really no other good reason. I just didn't feel like doing it. But we're sticking to Japan this year with the Year interview, And we're kicking it off here with a great panel to talk about basically... Uh, every Japanese men's promotion under the New Japan DDT. So we start out here at Paul. Uh, all three of these are voice of contributors. But uh, hello, Paul. What's up?
3: Hello, John. I'm coming to you from my beautiful stopover in Germany at the moment before I head down to the Mediterranean to enjoy the sun of Rome. So next time I'll be on an omakase. I'll be coming to you probably from like a beach or like a Roma terrace <laughs> drinking a glass of wine.
2: Is that like the have you? Is that the stereotype? Of Italy it's all beaches.
3: More or less, it's either that or it's like you're in some like ancient villa, like looking over the hills, drinking some like old wine or something like that. At least that's how I imagine it. I I can report to you if that's accurate or not.
2: So you've never been to Italy?
3: No, I have been to Italy. I've actually been to Italy this year. It was actually my last vacation. I went to Naples in January and it was pretty much like that, but now (laughs) I'll see if it's actually like that if you live there.
2: Gotcha. Welcome back to the show, Paul. Uh, also here is Gerard. Hello, Gerard.
4: Hi, John. Uh, despite being falsely accused by you as the imposter <laughs> in Among Us and subsequently ejected, I decided to be magnanimous and come on the show this week.
2: We, we've we been playing some voice wrestling Among Us games, and uh, I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm guessing too good at talking my way out of trouble. I also keep... a
4: notorious self-reporter.
2: <laughs> no, am I, am I the big self-reporter? I think it's other people. I don't self-report that much. I you certainly so. have, but we can, all have. So. Yeah, but yeah, there there was that one guy that uh, Griffin, another Voices Wrestling contributor, brought on who was like self-reporting every dead body. I don't know if you were there for that, but it was like every yeah, single time. Was. Yeah, every single kill he would self-report and be like, "Okay, buddy, you're not finding every dead body. Like you gotta cut chill with the self self reports here." But uh, but yeah, it was something. Uh, enjoy enjoy playing Among Us. Even though I know we play with my girlfriend too, Nicole, and she's been like, "Why are you so good at talking your way out of all this trouble?" This is kind of concerning, actually. But what are you gonna do? I used to play poker. That's what, that's what I'm uh, blaming it on, I guess. But other than that, Jordan, how you been doing?
4: Uh, not bad. Uh, just been doing the sort of marathoning, catch up with a lot of things. Uh, stuff, a little bit of stuff for this episode, but even stuff like beyond. Like December's often my like Joshy uh, catch up month as well.
2: Yeah. So we will do a Joshi episode, with, uh, it looks like, with Taylor from the Jumping Bomb Audio and uh, Luke from the Apricot Pod, the same lineup from last year, which we have to schedule that episode, actually, which reminds me to do that after this. But yes, Gerard, thanks for coming on again. Also, finally here, we have the big baby. Mr. John Hernandez, a joke, No, one's gonna get. But
0: yeah, I was wondering if that would come up. Yeah, like you <laughs> said, um, with all the Among Us we've been playing, I'm already wondering which of you are lying about what you've been up to. <laughs> <laughs> which... um, but yeah, uh, glad to be glad to be back.
2: I feel like you are the imposter a lot when I play with you. I don't know why that is. Like I... part part of the reason why I get away with so much lying too. I've re- I've realized is because. I legitimately am not the imposter that often when we play. It doesn't seem to give me imposter very much, and like I feel like every time I play with you, you're the imposter.
0: Yeah, I, I pull imposter a lot. It's really stressful. I wish it would happen less. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's really. You mentioned it before. Griffin's the real uh, the real bastard of the game. Yeah, Griffin. Griffin. He'll well, lie in a way that'll offend me.
2: Well, Griffin. <laughs> Griffin will either be the imposter or he'll die immediately. Like, like every time he's not the imposter, he gets killed like first fucking thing
0: so i mean we can bail on this and just play among us <laughs> we could. there you
2: go uh but do you want to, to tell the people why you're the big baby
0: oh i played <laughs> with friends of mine before like i played with like back when among us first became popular again i played one night ever and everyone i don't know everyone had like stupid names so i i know i think i was drinking i, I typed in big baby john i had no idea i'd <laughs> done that and it saves whatever you typed in last. Uh, and uh, now when I play with the, the voice of the wrestling slack, I, uh, I'm i the big baby John. Yeah. And uh, I hope it sticks. I think it's pretty cool. And it's funny because
2: you're always playing with me. So instead of just saying John, everybody's like the big baby. The yeah. Big baby. <laughs> so... Glenn
0: Davis retired. The doors open for me to take over <laughs> as the new big baby.
2: There you go. All right. So. Uh, We are here to talk about, like I said, mostly, I think mostly three promotions, I think mostly Noah, All Japan, and Big Japan, but we'll touch on Zero One, Uh, we'll touch on Dragon Gate, there's a very great dedicated Dragon Gate podcast on this network, so I didn't want to step on their toes too much with the other promotions, obviously, I do not have a dedicated podcast anymore since Burning Spirits uh, went away many years ago now, but yeah, that's mainly what we'll be covering today. Uh, before we get into that, I just need to plug, again, the Wrestling Omakase Patreon. So, right now, you can sign up for $5 at patreon.com slash Wrestling Omakase. Uh, some of the stuff that's been going on there this month. I've been doing my series covering every Tokyo Dome main event in chronological order. Uh, not just New Japan, not just Wrestle Kingdom, or not just 1-4, I guess I should say. But every single Dome main event is what we're going through. We're doing about two a week, so... Uh, we've gotten through 89 and 90 since we started. Uh, I think we'll, we're gonna, I'm gonna keep going all the way through January, so like, not just after, like, even after Wrestle Kingdom, so, so I think we're gonna get up through, I think I calculated, like, to 95 probably before we put a pause on it and resume it next year, but yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of interesting stuff, um, you know, we did an episode on the UWF, uh, Tokyo Dome show, which was really interesting because I got to go into the really... Convoluted history of the uh, newborn UWF, as it's called, the second UWF, and uh, the first UWF, and the 10,000 offshoots that came out of the UWF, and how they all ended up being way more influential, you know, that even than they look at first, like, because they all spawned, like, you know, six different things. I mean, I've totally forgotten until I researched that, that, like, Battle Arts came out of one of the UWF uh, spinoffs, I guess you would say. It was really, really something. But yeah, I mean, there's all, you know, I think most people know that Pride came from one of them, and, you know, Pancrase, and, like, all the MMA stuff came from these Japanese wrestling promotions, so it's very interesting. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was just one example. We did a couple of Noki matches, uh, Noki against this giant Georgian Judoka from the Soviet Union was the first ever Tokyo Domain event, that was really interesting. Uh, We did Stan Hansen versus Hulk Hogan from the Wrestling Summit, the show that was, like, a Giant Meltdown. So if you want to hear me talk all about this stuff, and then uh, coming up this coming week, we'll be doing Ric Flair and Tatsumi Fujinami, which is the next one coming up on the uh, Starcade in Tokyo Dome, the original one from uh, 91. So, you know, tons of stuff coming up with that. And we'll, we'll be getting to the SWS, which I, uh, the Super World of Sport, the eyeglass uh, bureau, or Money money pro wrestling, whatever you want to call it. That'll be really fun to talk about. So yeah, that's all on the Patreon. That's the main series that we're doing right now. But obviously, like I said, we'll be doing the DDT and Joshi Year interview Review episodes. Um, you can vote in the patron awards right now if you're a patron. Uh, you know, we do the Omakase Year-End Awards every year with the guests. But this year I'm doing a Patreon version too. So uh, Omakase patrons can vote. and gotten some great and really interesting results so far. And, you know, that'll continue up until, uh, you can vote up until January 1st. So you've still got some time if you want to sign up and get your votes in. And we'll go over that when we do the year-end award episodes. I'll cover the uh, the guest awards and the patron awards. So it should be a lot of fun. So, yeah, all that stuff, only $5. Uh, Patreon.com slash Um And we'll be doing some kind of Wrestle Kingdom coverage exclusively on the Patreon. Like, probably a... Uh, I don't know if it's going to be exclusive coverage. Uh, probably, well, the definitely the YouTube will be exclusive if you want to hear live afterwards. We might do an episode, too. We might put them together for a free feed episode. But I'm thinking of doing some kind of maybe like a call-in thing. I haven't really worked it out yet, but it, there'll be some kind of Patreon-exclusive coverage uh, for Wrestle Kingdom this year. So definitely going to want to check that out in January. Uh, so again, patreon.com slash wrestling Okay, let's get into what we're here to talk about, which first of all is pro-wrestling Noah will be the first topic we cover. Uh, I think Noah's year, I would say critically acclaimed for sure. I mean, this was a year where... It seemed like more and more people really jumped into NOAA. You know, I think they had a good 2019, but they definitely seemed to, uh, you know, reach even more people and really, uh, you know, become more of a darling this year than even they did last year. You know, really, I I think we we talked a lot about this during the New Japan episode that uh, you guys haven't heard yet that, you know, I've already recorded, but, you know, New Japan maybe not giving some people what they wanted this year with the main event specifically probably did um you know help noah a lot and help people kind of find noah so i guess Jim i'll start with you what do you think of noah's year on, on like the whole and do you think my uh my little thing there about new japan and noah is kind of correct or is it wrong or what do you think
4: uh, i'll start off by saying i think you're correct about your analysis of sort of uh the international fans outside of japan uh picking up on noah this year compared to new japan i will say that uh no is my promotion of the year and i thought that its highs were so high that it um totally made up for some of the crap that did happen particularly around the fujita match and other empty arena shows like the tag league and the and all of the ongoing junior shenanigans which are continuing that also happened on the last show like a day ago but just the highs i thought the n1 the n1 did not peak as high match wise as the g1 i think overall but i enjoyed the sort of stories being told in the n1 more than the stories being told in the in the g1 so um i think that was a big factor in why i went with nor being promotion of the year. I mean, there's a lot of things I could nitpick, but just there was no sort of hesitation when I said, this is my promotion of the year.
2: Yeah, to me, it's the m one was definitely, for sure, the second best tournament, I think, of the three. Like I, I still enjoy the G1 more, but the N1 was a very good tournament, with some really uh, outstanding matches, and I thought a really, really outstanding final, but I seemed to be higher on the final than a lot of people even. Um, whereas the G1, you know, I had more you know, more matches with higher ratings and stuff, so I did I did think it was a better tournament overall, but it probably also helped that the, you know, the M1 just wasn't nearly as long, uh, you know, as the G1, which just made it a much easier tournament for people to watch and keep up with. Uh, Paul, do you have any thoughts, I guess, on Noah's year as a whole, and, you know, where, where did, do you think the New Japan stuff affected it as well with people finding it in the West?
3: Uh, yeah, I think that definitely has been effective because I think Noah really kind of started to explode kind of around N1 time, when like New Japan kind of had come back, and people were kind of bit turned off by the evil stuff. I mean, like even before all of that, like my idea was like to actually like start off like regular like Noah coverage for like Voice of Wrestling as well. Actually, in theory, my first idea was to kind of start it with the tag league, but then Let's just say tagging probably wouldn't have been a good way to start covering Noah. And it actually kinda of turned me off the promotion at least for a little bit until they like got me right back like a little later. Um but yeah, I think like the N one was tremendous and like to me obviously like the G one had a lot more great matches kind of volume wise simply because there were more people in there and the average talent level in New Japan is higher than in Noah. But I also enjoyed the N one a lot more than i did the g1 overall simply because i felt it was a much more compact tournament which i think really helped my enjoyment of the tournament as well and then obviously like the top of the card stuff in noah was just so tremendous that like i think it's undeniable that it was like one of the top
0: promotions in japan and the world in 2020
2: uh john anything to add on this topic
0: um you know i think it's a big case of timing with Noah and uh you know just as all the evil stuff that people were really divided on was happening um people start catching wind of the Shizaki run and I also think they benefit from uh like this top tier main event stuff they have been churning out that really makes people like Gerard kind of touched on this that really makes people forget some of their shortcomings and I think like even if you look at the empty arena stuff like I think like I'm we uh, Paul brought up the tag league it's a great example that I think the empty arena stuff they did was pretty dreadful for the most part but when you look back at their empty arena part of the year you're just going to think of Shiyazaki and Fujita and to a lot of people that's a positive <laughs> not everybody but um, yeah I don't know I think uh, big case of timing I think sometimes we overblow just how good Noah's been below the main event but uh, I have enjoyed Noah a great deal
2: I agree, and I'm glad you brought that up, because I think this this topic came up a little bit during the New Japan one, too, which I I shouldn't keep saying uh, stuff that came up on an episode people haven't heard yet, but basically what we were saying on that episode was, you know, even if you're not enjoying the main events in New Japan, the overall quality of the roster and the quality of the undercards, uh, you know, keep you interested and keep the promotion, you know, I think still the best promotion in 2020 was New Japan um noah is almost the inverse of that where the the heavyweight title stuff in noah especially with goshiozaki's you know reign that kicked off on january 4th in a match that you know i thought was almost as good as the okada Nightmare match and was better than anything else in the two nights of wrestle kingdom the uh goshiozaki kaito kiyomiya uh main event from january 4th you know that was a four and three quarter star match for me um you know that that was an incredible match that just kicked off an incredible year for noah for as far as the goshiozaki title reign goes and i totally agree that that makes up for like you know some of these undercards are really like um you know here's an eight-man tag with like old people in it or like you know here's the latest edition of the noah jr mess that doesn't really uh make any sense or isn't very easy to follow and you know at, like, these undercards, to me, are not very good a lot of the time, or at best, they're, like, fine, but the main events are, like, so overwhelming that, or, you know, so overwhelmingly good that it really go- goes a long way to, you know, uh, cover up for that. It's almost, like, very, really like, Attitude Era WWF, you know, like, ni- not even 99, obviously, would sucked, but 98, where you'd have, like, these awesome, like, you know, Steve Austin and Mick Foley matches that were, like, so fucking great at the end of the night, and then you're like, wait, didn't the rest of his cards suck really bad? But not to that extreme, though.
4: I'm going to push back a little because, okay, so the junior stuff with the constant turns is stupid bullshit, but, like, Daisuke Harada, Katara Suzuki, and Yoshinari Ogawa all had awesome years that held that junior division together to the point where people are still watching the junior matches because of them, despite the like stupid stuff that's a good I, point
2: there there are there have been some really good junior matches it's just the the booking is so stupid that it almost it 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 stands out more negative in my mind than it probably really is but yeah uh yeah. It, there's a good point that the that there have been i mean on one of these shows I, I don't remember what it was it was like uh god kotar suzuki and like whichever one is not the former hiroki which i think is hao right yeah, yeah. How yeah. how would Qatar? Um, yeah, he had a really good junior title match where I was like, "Wow, I did not know he had that in him." Like a four star plus match, but but yeah. So the, yeah, the actually no, I
3: think Kataru Suzuki's like junior title reign. Like I think it succeeded despite the booking almost of the junior division. Yeah, and I think I think it was Joe Doremi who like posted a graph in the voice of Wrestling Slack of like every junior's like alignment changes just this year, and it's kind of insane to see that. It's like. All of these people, like almost everyone, switching factions. Like in the year, like, like literally almost everyone. I think like the only ones that didn't like switch factions like this year were uh, Nosawa and then How and Neo. And like everyone else, like, <laughs> like switch factions.
2: The uh, I want to bring that up actually because that thing is so funny. I'm trying to load it now, but yeah, the the the, the one that really got me. What, where I just like threw up my hands at with it was the fucking full throttle thing where it's like, okay, this unit just fucking formed and now they already have a new leader and the, the former leaders out of it and teaming up with a rot. Like, that was so stupid. That to me was the dumbest one they did because I'm like, what was the point of this unit if you're going to just immediately break them up and, you know, have the leader leave and ha- install a new leader? Like, why don't you just wait until, uh, Yohei was ready to turn on them to form Full Throttle then. Like, I don't understand.
3: But... I'm telling you... It, it's they're... even worse than that. They, they had a match series to determine the leader of Full Throttle, which Koto gave on, and then he immediately gets kicked out like two weeks later.
0: Well, there you go. I'm telling you, the junior division in Noah is like the Finnegan's wake of pro wrestling. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to understand it. If anyone says they understand it, I assume they're lying. Uh, it, it's It's a bunch of names thrown in a hat. And tossed out at random. I have no idea what's happening.
2: I mean that that's it, it's not like it's I don't know, it's a weird thing where it's like part of me likes it because it's so stupid. Like there there was that one segment, the full throttle uh turn segment and then like every goddamn junior running out and beating each other up was like almost funny bad to me. Like it was just like I don't know what's happening here. A lot of things are happening here, but sure, whatever. Uh you know, it doesn't piss me off the way like, you know, WWE booking does, but it definitely is like objectively stupid. I think it's a, you know, you can't call it good. But uh, I don't know if anyone has any other thoughts on the Noah Juniors while I desperately try to find the image here because it's so funny. It doesn't even
4: make any sense because I thought, like, a couple shows ago, uh, Harada had joined Segura Gun because for no reason Nosawa came out to help him because he was being attacked by, I think, Full Throttle? I can't even remember now. (laughs) His stablemate's... Or Kotoke didn't come to save him. It was Nosawa. So I was like, "Wait, is Harada in Segura now?" Which is just to say, like how confusing the booking is. Yeah, I don't.
0: Know. I always say they should have a chart at the bottom of the screen during the junior division matches, and the different wrestlers' heads should just move between factions as each match is happening.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Maybe I found it. Okay, so let's say. So, Chojo Rebbe, who uh, has been on the show many times, obviously. Uh, So, Neo and Howe, like you said, they started the year in Congo. They're in Congo the whole time. Uh, Tadasuke starts in Rattel's, leaves Rattel's in August for uh, Congo, and he stayed there the rest of the year. Uh, Hayata starts in Rattel's, leaves for Stinger in June, stayed there the rest of the year. Those are kind of simple. Yohei uh, starts in Rattel. He's in nothing until September. He's in that There was like a period for like three months where they said they were breaking up Rattel's, and then they all teamed together still. And I was like, well, what the fuck is the point of breaking up Rattel's then if you're just going to continue teaming for, like, three months afterwards? It was very bizarre. It's like, definitely, I started calling them, like, definitely not Rattel's, because they were still teaming together for months. Uh, but, yeah, so then then Yohei joins Full Throttle, and then Harada goes back to Momo no Seishin, uh, you know, to re- reform the team with Kotoge in September. Kotoge, though, starts the year in Stinger. Leaves for Full Throttle in May, then goes back to form uh, the Momo no tag with Harada in September. So he made three turns in the calendar year. Uh, is there anyone more absurd than that? I think that's pretty much it. Ha- you know, Hajime Hara goes from Suguragun to Full Throttle. You Nosawa know, did stay in uh, full- Suguragun the entire year, like you said. So, you
3: know, pretty crazy. I think Yoshioka also still takes the cake where he joins Suguragun and then immediately leaves. Like, Oh, yeah!
2: You're right. Yeah, he starts in Sugira for a, that's so tiny I didn't even see it here. He has a tiny little orange block from April to May, and then he joins Full Throttle. So uh, it's quite the quite the division. I but, think
0: Kataro Suzuki is in three different factions in one match on this uh, on the um, the show with uh, Go and Sugira. <laughs> like the at the end of the match, like three turns happen all at once. That all happen around <laughs> Suzuki. I think.
2: Okay. Well. Oh yeah, because he starts out. Right, because he gets turned on by full throttle. Did what else did he do other than form, reform the Wait, team?
0: Though? He's with he's with uh uh what's his name? Yuusumu um who's under the mask. Ah, um, oh, I see. And then he gets turned on <clears throat> there, and then Nasawa does some stuff after and ends up picking him up. I, again, if I told you I knew what was happening, I'd be lying.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so the junior division very confusing. Uh, but the Go Ozaki title, right, I think we can all agree, was quite awesome. Um, just, you know, really, really great stuff from him all year long. Uh, definitely a Wrestler of the Year contender. And he you, you got recognized by Tokyo Sports, even though they're, they're not going to give the Wrestler of the Year to a Noah guy at this stage. which is you know, Noah's – anyone expecting that? Like, I did see some people mad, and I was like, y- really, you should have known better than to expect a Noah guy to win Tokyo Sports MVP in 2020. It's just the promotion is not big enough. It's not going to sell... Whatever you think of him versus Naito, uh, you know, th- it's not going to sell enough newspapers for them. So they're not they're not going to do that. But, you know, he got the most outstanding, which is basically the Tokyo Sports, like, runner-up, or, like, the, you know, this is who we give it to if he we were giving it to someone a New Japan award. So definitely well-recognized, I think. And I think most people, you know, who follow Noah would tell you that he had a pretty incredible title reign. Um, you know, I I did think... I mean, the most critical I can be, I guess, is I thought the, the those last two matches he had were maybe a little overrated. Um, you know, he went four and a half on the Nakajima match and only four and a quarter on the Sugara match, and, you know, those that seems to be lower than most people. Um, but I did watch them weeks later and already spoiled, so it's always, you know, it's always hard to tell, almost a month later in the, in the case of the Nakajima match. Uh, so it's always hard to tell if maybe I would have liked them more in real time. But yeah, anyone? I guess Gerard. Do you, what? What thoughts do you have on Goshi Ozaki's year?
4: Uh, he's my MVP, despite the fact that I voted for Fujita versus Go as worst match of the year. That's how much I love the rest of his reign. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean it was really, really good. What about the? What about his empty arena stuff? Because other than the Fujita match, because he did have a few defenses empty arena, right? With like. Uh, uh, he
4: won against uh, Akitoshi Saito. Saito. Right. Which was okay. I mean, it wasn't offensive or anything, even though Saito Saito is pretty uh, washed up at this point. Yeah. It was fine.
2: Uh, John, any, more, any other thoughts on Go Shiozaki's year?
4: Um,
0: Shiozaki's not my top in-ring guy in Noah this year, but I think you got to give... I love that title reign, even when I don't like the matches. Uh, I think like the approach they took with him in the empty arena to have the Saito match and that vegeta match was like super interesting even if i never want to see those matches again and i think like as a whole he's what ended up drawing people in uh so i i have nakajima above him as far as like a match by match thing but um you can't i can't give that reign enough credit like i won't i'm gonna think about that title reign for a while
2: paul what do you think about goshi Shiozaki's ear
3: yeah, I think it was
0: tremendous. I think he's
3: finally fulfilling the promise that like people saw with him when he started off his career. Like this is finally like the guy that like everyone thought Go Shiozaki could be. So it's like I'm happy to see that he like finally puts it all together. And I think what I find interesting is like obviously he had like a really good like late surge as well and everything. And I reveal reveal later whether or not he was my wrestler of the year or not, but he's definitely a good candidate for it. Uh, but what I actually found interesting about the Fujita versus Go match, like, I'm not a huge fan of it either, but I also went in spoiled, and I can kind of see where, like, people that watched it live that weren't expecting what happened at the start of the match probably liked it a lot more than people that did know that, but (laughs) what I found really interesting is that, like, at least according to Hisame, who runs the the Noah English Twitter account, uh, she said that the Go Fujita match only came in one vote behind uh, Naito and Okada in the Tokyo Sports Award. Wow! Like I don't know, like how, like because there's a lot of kayfabe with those awards, but that's really interesting. Like if that's true, like that that match almost beat Naito Okada. Like that shows me that that match also found a lot of fans like in Japan as well.
2: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I I was one of the people that really loved that match, but I and I totally agree with you that. Um, if you, if you were like, I was watching it live, uh, famously, I think I've told the story a few times, but that was actually like when I had COVID-19 and, you know, I was like just starting to recover from like my most serious portion of the illness. So like, I'm sitting on my bed, uh, you know, sweating, obviously, because, you know, you're sweating out the illness and just like feeling like crap but slowly starting to feel better. And that match and everything that happened, you know, it, when I think about it, it feels like a fever dream, like quite literally, because I know I had a fever, and you know, sitting through it and like watching these two uh, guys stare at each other, it's like one of these memories. And like watching Twitter react to it and everything, uh, you know, it's one of these memories that, that I'll remember for probably for the rest of my life because it was just such a bizarre moment. Such a, and it, it helps. I really thought the match once he started wrestling was awesome. I mean, if they had just stared at each other for a half hour and then done nothing, it would have been you know much worse. I think. But, you know, um, just living through that, I think, and not knowing it was going to happen and not knowing how long it was going to go on for as you're watching it, I think, is a huge part of that, even if you weren't, like, sweating out a novel virus at the time like I was. But uh... Yeah,
0: I just wanted to say, that match live, like, I can't, objectively, I don't think I liked the match, but as an I can't say I... I dis—I guess can't really say I disliked the match because watching it live, I had like Discord, Slack, and Twitter open, like I was in like a lab, <laughs> just like watching all these. T- I won't forget that night anytime soon. And I had a, a great time talking about that match, at least.
2: Uh, but yeah, so the, the other thing I want to mention, sure go—I mean, in my head, I feel like I think he's older than he is because he's been, you know, sort of on top for so long. I mean, he was, you know, basically earmarked as a future star noah like towards the end of the peak period of noah like you know he de- he debuted in uh you know god what was it 2004 so you're talking about like you know still right in the middle of the, the peak of noah but i think of him as being older than he is he's, he's 38 years old which isn't young but he's the exact same age as naito which uh you know i definitely don't think of uh the two of them like in my head they're not the same age but i mean they're both you know both the major champions in japan this year they're both the same age even though to me, Go feels older for whatever reason. So he's a guy that, like, you know, maybe he was a very late bloomer, I guess, because like you guys were saying, uh, he never quite grew into the ace role in, in prior attempts in Noah or All Japan. Um, but you know, this year he really came into his own, and hopefully he'll be able to keep wrestling at a very high level. Because I mean, man, that's a if we're going to talk about All Japan in a sec here, and the big advantage Noah has on All Japan right now is. You know, well, they have a bunch actually when it comes to like financial power and all that. But like Noah has multiple guys that feel like they can be the guy. Like whereas all, all Japan obviously only really has Kento, so it is a it is a big help to Noah. Like they have Go and Kaito, and then the older generation with like Sugara. So it's just a just a very much more depth there.
4: I just want to say though, with Go, I know some people kind of see him as a late bloomer, and. I suppose there's a certain level of that. But the guy got dealt a shitty hand and bad timing because he wins the GHC title for the first time, uh, what, a f- couple weeks after Misawa died because yeah. they panicked and, and Akiyama had to vacate the title due to injury. And so they put it on him and everything like that. So I wouldn't book it. I wouldn't chalk all of everything up to, like, go not putting it together until now. I, it is sort of bad some bad luck on his... Uh, no, that's
2: definitely fair and I thought his booking has been terrible for the last decade. I mean what the he had that one match in all Japan where he won the triple crown from I think Joe Doring, right? Yeah, awesome he, match. yeah. and that was an awesome match. And I thought like, "Oh, here we go." But it just I don't know, he lost the title uh what to fucking I think to Bono or somebody pretty quickly and it was just like um, you know, I don't know, it's just a very it was a very bizarre. I'm actually looking up who it was because I'm because I'm curious now. Um yeah, he did lose it to Akebono. There you go. Uh, but yeah, this is like, it, it was a very, very bizarre, um, you know, title reign. Like, what, you you have him beat Doring in January and feel like you're going to be the big, big star. And then May, you have him lose to Akebono. It's just, you know, it was just not a, not a good title reign at all. And like, you know, that title reign back in, uh, I think was 2014, you know, definitely, oh no, 2015, I'm sorry. You know definitely was not uh helpful to him at all He just never you know after that he went back to noah and you know it just took them a while i guess to get comfortable with him as a top guy again after you know he had left the company so yeah i think i do think a lot of it isn't you know like you said is uh, kind of out of his hands uh any oh sorry go ahead paul
3: no it's actually sorry i think you were gonna ask if we have anything else for noah
2: yeah exactly yeah
3: yeah yeah because i think that's one thing i think i really want to bring up as well which i I kind of realized when I was like thinking about like the Noah year and preparation for this is I realized like how well of a job they've done building the national title as well. Mm. Like it's actually similar to like the way new Japan managed to like build the IC title back in the day where like it actually genuinely like feels like it's not like a secondary belt. It actually feels like a genuine like one B to like the GHC heavyweight, like one A. Well, the 60. It's like,
2: that sixty minute mm-hmm. draw helped a lot too, I think. Because you had the heavyweight versus national and you know, yeah. they they go to the draw then neither one beats the other.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that like it really feels like it's a proper belt that can like draw on like a secondary show. And like that's all, because like all the people that have held that belt so far, like they're all former like GHC heavyweight champions. And I think that really helps like build the credibility for the belt as well and that they're all taking it seriously as well. I think that was like a tremendous job that Noah has done as well and I think that's really going to help them down the line as well.
2: I think Kanoa did a really good job with that title too. Uh that you know, that, uh, he's a guy that I think is kinda of divisive to some people, but I've always really liked him. And, you know, I thought he had some he had some really good matches with that title and you know, as a former heavyweight champion he has that uh you know, some of that uh credibility to bring to it. I thought he did a good job in the back half of the year with that title. Uh, okay, so any final thoughts, John, on uh, Noah before we move on?
0: Uh, No, I just really want to double down on that national because the national championship thing. um, I'm actually looking now. uh, There's only one national championship match that they've had so far that isn't a total fucking banger. And it is weirdly the Minoru Tanaka one. Mm -hmm. All the rest of these matches kicked ass. It's a great (laughs) bell.
2: Gerard, any final Noah thoughts?
4: Uh, yeah, I was going to uh, talk about uh, the. Uh, well, I, they're not so young, and this is what I was going to get at. Uh, Kinyo Okada and uh, Yoshiki Inamura, uh, I didn't realize how old they sort of are. They're both 28, and they both only sort of debuted two years ago. To put that in perspective, someone we're probably going to talk about next is uh, Yuma Aoyagi, and he's only 25. So I think in 2021, you got to start getting the ball rolling, especially given this company had like not a lot of young guys for a long time. 2021, you really got to start getting the ball rolling on Okada and Inamura. And I think they kind of did to... though, didn't they? Pardon? They kind of did with Inamura. Well, yeah. I mean, like he did the job in the tag title match yesterday or whatever, mm. uh, but he looked pretty good. I mean, he got a lot of offense against Segura, but I would just say, I hope both of those get some elevation in 2021. Yeah. I mean, Inamura to me, like the, the him leaving Congo and joining up with
2: Kaito. To me was like the start of him getting his push i thought but like you say, he, he did take the pin yesterday but yeah there's our noah talk let's move over to all japan uh <laughs> all japan had a 2020 uh that i can best describe as not good <laughs> bad not very great at all uh we have two guys here gerard and paul who both have covered this promotion as closely as anybody over the last few years or gerard really you've been watching them for decades uh so, I guess I'll start with you Gerard. what do you what do you make of all japan's twenty twenty Where does it stand uh with some other like bad years for the promotion and do you think they could you know what what do you think the prospects are for them to recover in twenty twenty one or do you think the year is great for all I know and I'm completely
4: off base here uh no, in my notes, my first line I have written to remind me to say that what the fuck was that <laughs> um and it's somewhat more frustrating because if you look at some of the absolute like really um shitty years of all japan uh they had an extremely thin roster whereas like you can put together a pretty good show with the people that they have now so i think to me it, it makes it a little more frustrating than some of the absolute and i would say even though and like uh 2001 sort of Sands the Mudo and new japan invasion stuff and even 2002 when Mudo takes over um those aren't very good years and I would say in-ring they were worse than this year. But the rosters were not... like All Japan's roster is not super deep, but they were even less deep then. And so I think it is more frustrating to see what they could do with what they have now and they're, and they're not. Um, I mean, I, like, it, when it comes to like trying to figure out what exactly is going on backstage in a, a Japanese promotion, no one is ever, I think, 100% correct. You don't have the sort of... Uh, newsletter coverage that you would being like who's booking, who's, what crappy idea did Bruce Pritchard come up with this week on Raw or something (laughs) like that, right? So, but obviously I think most of the idea is Shuji Ishikawa took over and then now Tajiri is in there but maybe Shuji still is and there are certain starts and stops of booking and reversals throughout the whole year. Although I will defend the company, and this is sort of funny, the Ashino versus Suwama Triple Crown match happens on uh, June 30th. So I really compartmentalize the year into like the first half and the second half. I will defend the first half, but the second half is when things get really all over the place and a bit of a ma- well, a total mess.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the Shuji Shikawa thing is great to bring up because he, you know, Junakama steps down. Really, right this end of the year, right? Is that when June stepped down? Like, he announced he was going October to. October 2019. Yeah. So he, had, he announced he was going to step down in October, but he actually stepped down in January, I think. But I don't. either way. Um, and obviously, they lose Akiyama this year completely, which, you know, people. I don't know if people saw that coming or not. Gerard, did you think that was going to happen when he stepped down? He went in the going to D T Well,
4: I, I kind of saw it coming when we started getting the rumbles of Akiyama's going to the Performance Center in Orlando. Yeah. Because that was what got announced first. And then COVID hit, and then he went to DDT.
2: Yeah, so he ended up going there. It's like his new thing. I mean, just was not. It was clear he did not want to stay in an All Japan where he didn't have power anymore. So I guess you can't really blame him. But I, you definitely felt his absence. That is for sure. Uh, Paul, I guess for an, our other major All Japan correspondent, what do you think about All Japan's 2020, and what do you think isn't isn't fixable in 2021?
3: Yeah. So, first of all, let me say that I think the year more or less sucked. Like. All Japan has been, like, my promotion of the year, like, in the past couple of years, and I can already tell you it's not going to be the case this year. But let me just play, like, a, like, at least, like, a little bit, like, devil's advocate for the promotion. Like, I think they, out of everyone, like, they were one of the promotions, if not even the promotion, that did the best during the no-fence kind of stuff. Like, they really kind of figured out a good system to do that, and I think that was probably, like, in a weird way, the hottest run of the year when they had no fans, which is a weird way, just weird thing to say, but they really figured out a good way to do that, and that was also, like, when everyone still had hope that they might actually push a Shino and on fans in general, and then that just all ended as, like, fans came back, and the whole, the whole year just kind of fell into the abyss. But I don't think it's, like, all negative. Like, I think there's, like, at least, like, a little bit of, like, some, there are some bright spots in the promotion as well. Like obviously, carnival was bad, but like the one thing I think that really flies under the radar is that like all Japan's junior division has actually improved a ton this year. Like you had the Reign at the start of the year, which was tremendous, and then you had the uh, like I think Koji Iwamoto has also done pretty well as junior champion so far, and they have a lot of young talent now in that in that division, which is weird because. Not that long ago was just Ultimo Dragon and Tajiri doing like incredibly boring, rolling around on the mat for like 15 minutes, putting everyone to sleep matches. And now you have like a ton of like exciting young, like high flyers even in that promotion, which I don't think has ever really been a thing in all Japan. Like you have Akira Francesco, you have Atsuki Eoyagi, who I think actually is like a fringe candidate for like most improved because just if I compare him at the start of the year where I thought he was like the weakest of the young guys, like him now at the end of the year where he's like legit, like one of the, like maybe like top three guys in the all Japan junior division. Like, I I think there's actually a lot of like things to look forward to in 2021, but obviously like heavyweight booking, like is very suspect still. And maybe hopefully like if Nomura can come back and maybe they push Yuma and, Kento, maybe uh, like maybe they finally like do something good with like Kento again as well. Like maybe can improve, but as long as like Suwama and like Ishikawa keep pushing themselves on top, like it's gonna be a bit shit. But like once we hopefully at some point get past that, like I think there's still hope for the promotion. Uh,
2: what do you think, John?
0: Um, I think when we talk about all Japan's year uh what makes it even sadder is how exciting it actually was back in like january and february um they start with like the uh the lee and kento match that was great was one of my favorite jake lee matches i've ever seen yeah,
2: that was awesome
0: yeah that, right? that match
2: made me angry that they haven't like okay I, I was gonna go on this rant later but i guess you brought it up i, go on. I don't understand why the fuck they won't give jake lee the fucking title like, I understand if you want to say... Jake Lee's not doesn't have it to be the ace. Jake Lee doesn't have it to be the star. Fine. He's not going to be the new Kento Miyahara. But that doesn't mean... You can't give him... A fucking run with this title. And see what he can do. And put him in his different matches. You don't have to be the goddamn ace of the company... To get a run with this title. And to, like, have a chance. They wouldn't even give the guy a fucking chance. Anymore. Like, this is... Honestly, as someone who likes Jake Lee... And thinks he gets the shit under the stick. He goes out there with Kento and has an awesome match... And then they basically do nothing with him for the entire rest of the fucking year. And I just, I don't understand it at all. I don't know what the fuck they're doing anymore with, with Jake Lee. I mean, I really wish he would leave the company at this point. Because it really pissed me off uh, that they won't even give him a shot as champion. When, you know, we have Suwama on this. I like Suwama, but this reign has been boring as shit and suwama was not that great in the well actually no he probably was one of the better people the champion carnival compared to a lot of the shit people a lot of what people did in that tournament that's a whole other topic but just like why would they give this guy even a a chance it just is bizarre to me that you won't even give him like a three-month fucking title reign
0: yeah especially because you can say he's not the kento um but there is no other kento all they have is kento but uh, even beyond that, they began to do something with him. They were building the coolest fucking stable possible around him. Because um, back then, Nomura was still around. Yada Yoshida was practically a roster member. Uh, and the three of them and um, Iwamoto, they have the... Uh, what's it called? Jin? It's yeah. still there, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, and that seems like it's going to be awesome. Kento, when Suama wins the belt, that match is awesome. And then the Champions Carnival roster, they initially announced. I'd almost forgotten completely. Was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then COVID happened. Yeah, they
2: They got fucked by the pandemic. That is for sure. So and, bad. And I and you know and I definitely you know I think other promotions did too. And you know maybe they just had a very a particularly bad post pandemic plan. I mean, like they. Well, like, I think well, I think
4: all Japan might be the company that switched their booking plans the most because of the, that pandemic. Because I can see everything happening in NOAA the way it did without the pandemic. I think. New Japan made a few um, modifications but I think there's enough evidence that Evil was going to win that title perhaps yeah. if you believe what the evil you know, thing the, evil thing, gonna the evil, thing gonna, evil thing was going to happen evil thing sure but there's no way in hell Zeus was winning that champion carnival as it was originally announced yeah and when like I could be completely wrong is cuz they could be just crazy egotistical bastards but when Suwama won that title I was like okay this is taking it off of Kento to stop him from breaking the defense record, that's something else he can do later. And I thought this was a transitional title reign for Suwama. Um, so if you ask me, I think they changed their booking more out of any other company. Yeah, but by yeah, I, thing, I think
3: actually cool. that Segura was like going to win the champion carnival. And I think he actually would have had a chance to like beat Suwama for the title as well. And then I don't know what really their plan was like from there, because I would have assumed that maybe Nomura would have been able to come back at some point this year. I think
4: Nomura versus Sugera would have been the money feud. They actually, if you've ever seen them, because they have been in the ring together a couple of times, they have amazing chemistry.
2: no more What is the deal with Nomura? Is he? Do we know anything about his status?
4: No. Okay. He said he had a herniated disc, and that's it.
2: So we don't. He's do been
4: it. out since February.
2: Yeah. So we haven't heard. Any, I mean, that's not good. Clearly, that we haven't heard anything about him. Uh, but I guess, go back to what you were saying, John. I, I don't remember what you were saying at this point. We all cut you off. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, no. By all, I am, uh, honestly, the less I talk, the better for the podcast. But uh, what I was going to say, even after that, they go to their their COVID shows, which were actually great. They yeah, adjusted the co- really their, well.
2: Their COVID shows were really good. I do think that's a, well, maybe really good to show. They were good. I enjoyed them for the most part. Um, I mean, it felt for a while, it felt like them and Big Japan were the only people... Putting out anything that I could watch, so I definitely watched more of them than I did all year. But man, after the, like right after, after that, yeah, yep. like, fell uh,
0: off a fucking cliff. Yeah,
2: <laughs> like I don't like we we've been we've kind of mentioned it, but the the fucking booking of Enfants, to, to bull like everybody's so excited for that for that invasion and it's like carrying the company for you know this this COVID period. and Then they just have Ashino lose to Suwama. I mean, Ashino losing Suwama is. You know, the single biggest mistake in wrestling this year. I don't think there really is much of a... Or at least that I've seen. I mean, I'm sure you can say The Fiend or something. But, like, as far as I'm concerned, like, stuff I actually watch, I really can't think of a bigger mistake. But he should have won that title, and they should have gone with him, you know, at least for a few months.
4: Here's something I wanted to get into, because I don't want to come off sounding like an apologist for this, but, like, what has Noah done with their Wrestle One guys? And I think... Given the way that the promotion declined, the fact that the promotion, I think, was by it, by the last couple of years was smaller than All Japan in terms of drawing Korokin numbers. Might have even been smaller than Noah because some of Noah's twenty eighteen numbers were not 2017, yeah. 2018 numbers were pretty dire. I think, to be honest, there was a there's a limit wherever they ha- wherever they would have gone, right? But but I get what
2: you're saying about what what did Noah do? But but Noah has like a much bigger roster in all japan true true and like they have way more of their own stars where it's like all japan everybody's desperate to see somebody else get pushed other than kento and the violence giants and you know i think i mean i get i get what you're saying that maybe it just would have been too big of a you know a downgrade to have this guy from this defunct promotion win the title uh you know so i guess that is the other side of the argument but i just don't really like I, I just don't. I, I don't see how it wouldn't have been better than what we got in the back half oh, of the season. Absolutely.
4: But if nothing else, they should have put the tag titles on Arashi and Ashino right away. Really.
2: Yeah. Uh, Paul, do you have any thoughts? I guess on the enfants and the not belting up Ashino there?
3: I, I kind of get where Dorado's coming from, but to me, at least, like when I, mean, I said, like just try and push him. Like you have, like like right now, would have been the perfect chance to do it. Like just have him beat Savama, and then let's see how his reign goes. Like you have like somewhat limited capacity shows as well, so you don't really have to be afraid. Like you're gonna sell out anyway. Like if you don't sell out even on a limited capacity with him on top, then it's an easy call to just like take the belt off him on like first chance you get, and then it was a mistake. But then otherwise, you can see maybe if you can build him into like a credible star for like your audience, because like now they. Definitely don't have that chance because they beat him like a drum. And to me, like Ashino, yeah, he wasn't Wrestle One, but like it wasn't his fault that Wrestle One didn't draw. Like the damage was done before he ever got on top of that promotion. And to me, like I, I know that sounds weird, but like to me, he was always like, like even when Wrestle One still existed, like I always wanted him to come into All Japan because to me, he seemed like the perfect foil for Kenjo. Like he seemed like the perfect. General rival that Kento really needs to like put him over the top. Like he is like as weird as that sounds, but like he to me is like the Kawada to like Kento's Misawa essentially. So I really thought they like they should have tried, and they really should have seen like if they can build him into a proper star. And now he just isn't, and
4: probably never will be. And he's still and he's still only thirty. I mean, like I I don't know. I think like that. I don't was... think he's damaged goods. I think he could still be heated up. Okay. if they wanted to do it, but I don't have confidence that will happen. And
2: he's only wrestled for All Japan since Wrestle 1 went. I'm just I'm looking at his cage match
4: And Arashi and Kodama and Doi, I guess, have all been wrestling elsewhere though, Yeah, like, for whatever reason he's not, which makes me wonder if they actually signed him.
2: Yeah I don't know, it's very, it's very, the whole thing was very bizarre with, with him, to me at least so it is very uh, very interesting. John, do you have any thoughts on the Infants and Ashino thing how they booked him?
0: Um, no, I did think it was funny, looking back now, how that decision seemed so absurd to everybody that I think all of us were like, oh, they're going to run this back in front of fans, and then uh, Cheneau's going to win the title. And instead, he's just a bit player in the background. But really, um, no, I mean, it's funny, too, because I, like, intentionally kept Wrestle 1 as a big blind spot of mine. It was one of those promotions where I was like, if I get into this, I'm not going to have any free time. So, uh this outpouring of wrestle one talent as uh after they folded has been like largely uh an introduction to, to a lot of them for me and not as uh, you actually know i would watched a bunch of him but uh not only is he like he's where else once you knock him down i have no idea where you go i like I, all you're doing is juggling it between the old dudes you've already knocked everyone down unless Kento's is going to take it again so once he went down, I just felt like the whole thing was, was going nowhere. I, I have no idea what they're doing with that title.
2: It is really, really bizarre. I mean, that is for sure. And I just, it didn't really make any sense to me at all as far as like what they were doing here. Um. So the other thing we should talk about that I guess keeping things negative here. What the fuck was that champion carnival this year? I mean, Gerard, what the hell was that fucking champion carnival?
4: I, I don't even want to talk about it, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was Well, I know what's sort of incredible is that my incredibly hot take is you can make a case that Final is better than both the G1 and the um, N1 Finals. And yeah. I thought that was the case.
2: I Yeah, um, see, I like the M one one a little bit better, but it definitely was better than the G1 Final.
4: And so, which is sort of fascinating, which is sort of like gets to my point earlier, is like what's so frustrating about this company is that you're – you can do this, but then you fuck everything else up. Um, yeah. and and the like see like the booking of that champion what really hurt it was the like okay, the ten person field was limited on some ways. You had your Yoshitatsu and and whatever, but just the booking, the way the matches were laid out, which was clearly done all in the back, just utterly bizarre. Um, if they had just let them go out there and say just go out there in 15 minutes, this guy's going over fine Be- but whatever, they were doing 7 minute matches with flash submissions that just didn't fit the feel of the company although I'm not against the use of submissions and but and but the sort of increase in submissions which there has been this year in All Japan has been done better in more sort of traditional matches not like being like, okay 5 minutes lock on, the submission, the match is over yeah I mean, I... I will say, though, the, the other good thing about the Champion Carnival is I thought that what they managed to do is Yuma Aoyagi turning back face sort of felt somewhat natural because they told the story of Enfance giving both um, Yuma and Kento a hard time and running roughshod over them, beating them up after matches in the Champion Carnival. So it sort of organically pushed them back together instead of just being like, okay, they're back together type thing.
2: Yeah, that was pretty good. I went back and looked at my top five matches of the tournament. I couldn't even do a top 10. And I have exactly two, quote, notebook matches in the entire tournament other than the final, which was uh, Zeus and Suwama from night four and Kento and Yuma from night four. So both from the same night. And I won four stars on both of them. I had nothing at three, three quarters in the entire tournament. And then a few matches three and a half, which is just like a pathetic champion carnival. Um, you know, just... It was only five nights long, obviously, so you only had so much time to even do anything. But, like, it was just, like, you know... I'm looking through my notes. Like, the amount of times I went all caps out of rage, uh, like, for the the semi-main event of the final night, which was Zeus and Jake Lee, I just have in caps, this tournament fucking sucks so bad, the designing match for A Block, and it barely goes ten minutes, Jake loses like a fucking dork again. I hate this tournament. So, I was really...
4: Real happy about that. And again, the thing is, with 2018 and 2019, you can make a case that those were the like the second-best tournaments in men's wrestling, probably. Yeah. They were really good. They
2: were awesome. If people didn't see yeah. them, they were awesome tournaments. But yeah, that you know, the deciding block match, two and a half stars uh, for Zeus and Jake Lee, just to give you an example. And that wasn't even my lowest-rated match of the tournament. They, there was a Kento-Ashino match that I fucking hated that I think I went like under two stars on. Um, but yeah, the, you know, Zeus goes 4-0 then wins the tournament,
4: and then loses title match. It's like, what the fuck was the point of that? I well, just... th- that's another thing. If they had slapped the title on Zeus, I wouldn't even be less angry. Yeah. If Zeus had beat Suwama, like... I would be a lot – I'd be pretty fine with that, I think.
2: Yeah. Paul, you got any uh, champion car- – oh, John, you wanted to say something. Go ahead.
4: Oh, uh, oh, I
0: mean, I'm, I'm going to try and keep it brief on the champion carnival, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's hard. Uh, that was actually the episode I appeared on this year. Was, right, uh, right. Yep. Just talking about what a fucking nightmare the of carnival was. I has. had
2: to cover every night of that fucking thing uh, between the Free feed and the Patreon. And it, be, it became, like, the struggle of my life getting through these five fucking shows. They were so bad.
0: Horrible. And, you know, it was weird to me because it felt like they took the formula that they'd been using specifically for the COVID shows of, like, short little nuggets of matches. And then ruined the champion carnival by using that (laughs) format it made no sense to me and like you guys said like the the prior two champions carnivals are amazing uh i don't it, it seemed like they were trying something entirely different and it wasn't like they were short sprints they were just like rest holds until somebody won and then <laughs> that's a great I way guess, to
2: put it rest holds until someone well zeus was beating everybody
0: with a rest hold and and the best part is that didn't even pay off he, <laughs> he puts that hold on in the final for three seconds why the fuck did he do that why did he even use the the neck crank i it, uh, oh, it's and then kento yuma was a great match and it felt like it got flown in from a different planet yeah uh but yeah nightmare tournament
2: paul let's complete the burial here
0: uh, yeah, no, I mean I, no one can say that this was a good
3: tournament. Like it was pretty bad. Like it felt like they did Champion Carnival out of duty. Like it's like we have to do a champion carnival because we do one every year and obviously like the original one like they had planned got completely ruined and then they felt they had to do one because they have to do a champion carnival every year. But no one really seemed to give a shit. Like well, they, they did not it want to do happened. they did not happen and were They did not
2: want to do it. That was very clear to me.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it happened at around the time when normally the Royal Road happened. And it was actually, like, it felt very similar to the way the Royal Road normally is. Because, like, normally Royal Road isn't a great tournament either. Like, you get, like, one or two great matches out of every Royal Road. Normally, Kento matches. And, like, that's very similar to the way the Champion Carnival went this year where, like, there were one or two, like, there were one or two great matches. Yeah, Yuma and Kento, and then uh, the final, like, those were, like, good matches, good to great matches, and then everything else just felt like a waste of time, even though the matches were, like, really short. So, like, that's the weird thing. Every match went, like, five to seven minutes, and it still felt like it wasted my time.
2: Uh, I guess before we move on, let's talk, I guess, really quickly, because I did not watch a single second of this uh, other, than the, other than the final, which, I, which was pretty great. Uh, you know the unofficial final I guess but Gerard what did you think of the real world tag league I assume you did watch all of it
4: oh I watched all of it Uh, better than the champion carnival Uh, high high bar (laughs) no um, there was some good stuff in there but uh, 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 two individuals brought it down Uh, one a certain uh, ex ECW uh, star named Tajiri and um, Abdullah Kobayashi, who wasn't great. Although I like the last match he was in on the final night against him in Sakamoto versus Violent Giants. was actually a fun match. But other than that, he sort of dragged down his matches. But other than that, just solid. Like, I'm talking like three and a half, three and three quarter affair. I went four and a quarter on the final. That's, that's
2: exactly what I gave it to, yeah. Four and a quarter. It was um, pretty awesome.
4: Yeah. So, you know, but not, nothing blow away.
2: Well, I would but, say the final. I, mean, I, enjoyed watched, it I would say it watch the final. the
4: taste of the carnival out of my mouth.
2: But. Yeah, I mean, I would say for sure watch the final. I mean that oh,
4: Absolutely. Yeah, that. But, like, I wouldn't say, if you, if you haven't watched any All Japan this year, don't start with the real-world tag
2: league. <laughs> uh, Paul, do you also have any thoughts on the real-world tag league if you watched it?
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, I mean, it was pretty solid, as Gerard said. Like, nothing really blew away aside from the final. I think the thing that I really noticed when I watched this tournament was, like, eight... Daisuke Sekimoto is kind of washed now, and it's a bit sad. But like he has been going like really hard for like a while you now. So oh, it, we're going to talk about that. We're
2: going to talk about in a second, really.
3: Yeah, we're, we're going to talk <laughs> about that more like in the Big Japan part, I guess. And like the other thing as well is like obviously everyone knows that like Saban and Shuji Shijifika- Ishikawa have slowed down as well. But like at least like Violent Giants, like they like they could still like deliver and tag matches in a really big way. I don't think they're really capable of doing that anymore. Like. They can probably, like, they can still go against, like, the right opponents, but they can't carry carry anyone anymore in tag teams. So, like, obviously it's inevitable, but, like, they they were my tag team of the year again for, like, the last couple of years, and, like, they're one of my all-time favorite tag teams, but, like, it's time for, it's, it's way overdue for them to split up. Like, I had a whole rant about it, like, last year when I thought they split up, and, like, I was right. Like, they should have gone out on top last year, and now it's just kind of a slow and sad decline.
4: Yeah, well, if, if they promised if they lose the tag titles to Yuman Kento on January second that they will split up. Now, if they retain those titles, then we're—I don't know—we're in for another year of what we just had. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So that's I think, well, the finger they, they said run. the
3: exact same thing last year about the world about the real world tag league. Like, if they're not going to win it, then they're going to break up. So, I like am not confident they're not winning in January
2: uh john did you see any of this tag league do you have anything to say about it uh
0: i dropped in for two shows i uh i skipped every tag league the world threw at me this year um but i did <laughs> drop in for two shows and uh i dropped in for the 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 Kraken, the crackling show uh in the middle of the tour and that ruled actually uh it had um the tanaka tajiri against uh a yuma and kento match where kento gets busted open uh, so that being my only like nug, my only glimpse of that, uh, team ECW squad, uh, made me think they ruled and that had violent giants against, uh, against Lee and Iwamoto. And that match was great too. So, and then all I had watched was the final. So to me, the real world tag league was fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, I think it's funny talking about splitting up violent giants because that's the only context that Ishikawa wasn't good in anymore. So if you split that team up, we're going to have to take him out back.
4: <laughs> i don't know what the hell else you do i think they're teasing i don't know if this is any improvement but they're sort of teasing kohesato working more in all japan in 2021 and and so if violent giants break up i wonder if we're just getting twin towers again
2: yeah i mean that could be that could be good i like kohesato but i don't know i don't know how good it's gonna be the crew gonna be in 2021 like you were kind of saying there okay so we can move off all japan unless anyone wants to say any final
4: thoughts oh yeah a couple things uh Quickly, Yuma Aoyagi was incredible in that tag league, which I should have said. And he, despite they like, he had that great heel turn at the beginning. He actually floundered during the empty Arena stuff, they didn't have anything for him to do. He put over a Shino at one point. But, and he actually looked good in the uh, carnival, but he was awesome in, in that tag league. Now, I don't think he's going to win the Triple Crown when he's challenging Suwama next month, but I think, and I agree with you, John, they should put the title on Lee, but. I'm feeling pretty high on Yuma right now. And also, uh, second, uh, the forbidden door of the Stronghearts guys seems to might have been opened. So I'm sort of excited to see what that could happen in 2021.
2: Yeah, that'd be cool. You
0: know, I really am so glad Gerard brought up Yuma because Yuma has been fantastic. And I know some people, I think, weren't into him getting back with Kento. But I think he did all he was really going to do as a heel And in that tag league final, when he gets the, when he taps Jake Lee and he's like, so stoked that he finally won an important match, tapped out like a big deal guy. It's like the coolest moment I saw all year in all Japan. Uh, I really hope like I'm really higher on Yuma than I've ever been right now.
3: Paul? Yeah. And I think maybe one, one more thing I I want to bring up, uh, it's I need to eat a bit of crow because like I really shit on them like early in the year when they formed, uh, like, I really didn't like, like, God's Legion or Purple Haze as they know now, because, like, all of their, like, weird, like, cheating bullshit and all of that, and I was like, this is, like, a horrible, like, this is a horrible stable, but it really turned around, like, later in the year, like, I really like them now, like, I think they're one of my favorite actors in all Japan, and, like, they just work, like, as a faction now, where it's just Zeus and his underlings who just, like, go out, and they just, like, beat the shit out of people and Zeus is just this like fucking like boss, like this fucking video game boss almost who just like beats people up and then like you have to overcome them if they want to like reach your goal. So that's really cool. And like with Stronghearts coming in, I'm actually curious how that's gonna work for Eerie who is in both factions, so maybe that's the first uh, feud there if that happens. That would be actually really cool.
2: Oh, there you go all right let's move over to no, big wait, sorry, sorry
0: uh fucked jury <laughs> okay
2: yeah uh, fuck the jury. I
0: had to that in. yeah okay fuck the jury i'm with that
2: there you go uh let's move over to big japan um so i didn't see a ton of them this year especially after the empty arena stuff so i'll be relying mostly on you guys i guess i mean the empty arena stuff was pretty fun when you know for as far as that could go um you know for a while they were like they were, like, the last promotion in Japan running shows with fans for a few, you know, for a little while uh, in March when, like, everybody else was shutting down. They were like, nope, we'll keep, we're going to go until somebody makes a stop. And I guess somebody finally did make them stop, uh, you know, in early April because uh, the last show they ran was the a Strong Climb show in Hokkaido on April 5th, which is obviously far after most other companies have stopped running shows in front of fans. Um, you know, they came back on the 25th and 26th of April with the two A.W. Square shows, um, you know, the empty arena, and that had the Strong Climb final with Daichi Hashimoto, who's already the Strong Champion, winning the Strong Climb over Quiet Storm. Um, But yeah, Daichi, you know, for a while, people were kind of ironically slash jokingly bringing him up as a wrestler of the year candidate when nothing else was happening. Um, He had an interesting first half of the year, for sure. Uh, I don't know what he's done since he lost the title, finally, but... What did, I guess I'll start with you, Gerard. What do you think of uh, Daichi slash Big Japan, I guess? I don't I don't know where I'm going with that. What, anything I just talked about you want to bring up? Oh, Gerard? Oh, sorry. You uh, broke up there. I was just saying, if you want to bring up anything with Daichi slash, uh, you know, Daichi's year slash Big Japan's year, especially uh, through the pandemic yeah, stuff. Yeah, Daichi
4: clicked this year. I really liked his stuff. Uh, well, I mean, except for, like, I thought his... I mean, it's already sort of been hinted at uh, his match against Sakamoto wasn't so great. But other than that, I really dug the rest of his stuff. Um, I had a lot of fun with Big Japan. I don't; It didn't really hit that many highs. And I thought the deathmatch division was pretty weak. Manoa Fujita is washed and just so annoying and slow. Um, but the strong division... And the actually, the improvement of the junior division and the tag division, now that the astronauts got the tag titles, it's just a fun promotion. And so if you, you know, and the shows are generally, like, what gets aired on Samurai is, like, you know, two hours mostly, except for, like, a really big show like the, the those final uh, Yokohama Bunka gym shows. So it's an easy two-hour watch, uh, and it's just a lot of fun. There was, like, some show I watched that
2: that I hated, and I think that might have been the last... When I like gave up on them for a while, maybe it was the the Yokohama. John, you want to talk one of them with me? Am I like going crazy?
0: No, okay. We but, only talked about during the tournaments.
2: Okay, maybe there were some. There was some show that I thought was. Uh, was it
4: last year's Sumo Hall? Because that had uh, some. Dire no, jump, I, don't think, I don't think. I don't think it was. Special.
2: Maybe it was this last Boontai by Yokohama show that didn't. It looked like it had like a six man tag main event, and I don't know. Maybe That's I think a six man
0: look- tag. Super good.
2: Okay, maybe I'm thinking of something else. That I don't know what I'm thinking of. But I thought there was some big, big, big Japan show that I thought was pretty bad. Uh, anyway, but there's stuff where they where they had nothing going on, um, you know, during... Or where they, like, there was nothing else going on, I mean, in wrestling during the uh, the shutdown period. That stuff was pretty fun from Big Japan. I thought Daichi was, you know, pretty damn good during that whole period. But yeah, I, just to- I totally lost track of them in the back half of the year when everything else came back. So I don't I guess I don't have a ton of post COVID thoughts on them. Uh Paul, do you have any Big Japan thoughts you want to share?
3: Uh yeah, I think it was an overall relatively solid year for Big Japan, I have to say. Like but I think the thing that always like carries Big Japan to a degree for me is like the deathmatch division stuff because like the strong division generally is like pretty good and everything. But like the really unique thing for me is like uh, is has always been like the deathmatch stuff as well which like for the past years has generally been pretty good like obviously 2018 it was amazing with the Takeda rain which was just like tremendous and then like 2019 it was still pretty good like the kodaka rain and everything like that was that pretty yeah like, kodaka, good Kod- match. Still kodaka's
2: rain was really good i liked it quite a bit
3: yeah yeah and then but uh, like then this year has just been like just like if you just look at like the champions this year it feels like the deathmatch division from like 15 years ago like you had Abdullah Ito and Fujita like all getting reigns and it's just like do we really like like one of these guys would be like enough for like a year if they get like a gold watch reign or whatever before they retire but like all three of them like being the only people that hold that belt for the whole year is just really atrocious like this. There's really nothing really I could sink my teeth into for the deathmatch division this year, with one notable exception, but I'll talk about that later when we talk about our matches of the year.
2: Okay, so I think I found the show, by the way, that I was thinking of. It was actually right like in the middle of COVID. The The 25th anniversary show, I think, sucked, which was the, the Yokohama Bunker gym show that only drew a 1,000 people. It was like Ito beating Abdullah Kobayashi as the main, and then it had like that... Uh, very, very, like, below-average Daichi Sakimoto match. Um, I don't know, just nothing else on the show that I thought was very good. Like, just a lot of tags and stuff. But I think that was the show I was thinking of, because it was a Yokohama Bunker, Yokohama Bunker show, but not the last Bunker. So, anyway. Oh, yeah,
4: that that was show was nothing.
2: Yeah, pretty bad for, like, a big show. Uh, so I think that's what I was thinking of, which was back on March 16th.
1: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. Off. Again, that's arena club.com/slash VOW net. ArenaClub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
3: Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.
2: Uh, Anyway, uh, John, do you have any Big Japan thoughts?
0: Yeah, I thought big Japan ruled this year. Um, there wasn't a lot of like uh, you know like unforgettable super high-end stuff going on. and the Deathmatch title is definitely a low point. and but I hope I'm not spoil, uh, spoiling what Paul's gonna say later. There was one great aspect of their Deathmatch division and it's there. It was it was uh, the Toshiyuki, Sakuda uh, Yuki Ishikawa team who not only kicked ass all year, uh but they kept the the no fans uh, shows afloat. They were the best part of those shows for sure. And uh it's a shame that Sakuda has gone because now that deathmatch division is just a total nightmare again.
2: What happened but, to Sakura? Uh
0: I don't know. He bailed. He said he's going to be a free agent. He's still doing freedom stuff. Oh. But um I don't know. But yeah, uh, Daichi's reign all year's been great. Um I'll talk about him more later, but Yuya Aoki... Uh, is one of the best wrestlers of the year in any promotion uh i don't i, I hope more people uh, will see him now that he's become a heavyweight but uh i don't think any promotion was easier to watch on a show-by-show basis except for that terrible anniversary show than big japan
2: i'm going to try to jump into the one for the new show because i looked at the card for the show today which i assume hasn't made tape anywhere and that card looks pretty good the death mania show from nagoya yeah, I'm oh, the one
3: from today. Like, yeah, from... I don't know if anyone has seen it. Like, I think that it aired. Dragon Gate took up most people's attention. So I don't know if anyone has seen it. Oh, it did like, air it? I think to... that has like astronauts. I think, allow... yeah, I think it was Life on Samurai. Oh. Yeah, so it it probably is gonna like it's probably gonna like float around soon somewhere. And I think that one has astronauts versus Twin Towers on it, yeah. which like I would assume that like even in their broken down states... like. Like, Twin Towers probably still, like, have a good match with Astronauts because how could they not against, like, Takuya Nomura and, like, Abe? Like, those guys definitely could carry those two old guys to, like, a great match.
2: I actually don't think it airing live. I'm checking right now. It seems like it airs twelve twenty eight. I think, unless it's not. Oh, okay. It's not...
3: Well, it, it said live on Cage Match, but maybe they screwed that up.
2: Let me check. Let me just check. Maybe it's not on That's that.
3: not
4: too bad a turnaround for a Big Japan show, honestly. Yeah.
2: Just checking, I'm just looking at your schedule just to be sure. But the the big Japan schedule page like said uh you know it said 1228, I think. But anyway, um the what was else was gonna say, but yeah, that card looks pretty good. You know, it has that the uh the tag title match like you said with Twin Towers. Uh Okabayashi gives Kami, uh, Kamitani. Uh you know, you know, there's some, some decent looking tags on it. So yeah, we'll have to check that out. Uh but yeah, definitely something maybe we could jump back in with that show. But yeah, it seems like they had a pretty cool year from what you guys are saying, so that's cool. Um, you know, I think for me, like the the Deathmatch division's been such a standout, you know, during uh you know, during the past few years that just having it be nothing to according to most people definitely does uh it is weird to me, you know. Like it's just it's it's a weird fall off for that division after the last few years. But uh I don't really they have other I, guess I had a ton of other thoughts otherwise. But yeah, that's just to confirm that show definitely did not air live. It airs twelve twenty eight. So there you go. Uh, that's it for Big Japan. Uh, anyone watching any Zero One this year that want to talk about? I it? did. I okay. watched the Fire
4: Festival finals.
2: Oh okay. Well, how was that?
4: Uh, well, it shouldn't have gone. It shouldn't have gone twenty five minutes.
2: What was the match? <laughs> uh, Tamura
4: Hayato versus Hartley Jackson. Okay. Uh, there was some good stuff in it, but uh, Hayato's. Like Jackson's pretty good and they tried to make it epic, but just Hayato you, was a little lost. You broke up
2: you him. yeah, you broke up there, Tamara Hayato's oh, well. Oh
4: sorry. Uh yeah. so Harley Jackson versus uh Tamara Hayato, uh, the just top out guy mm-hmm. that has basically come out of nowhere and been given the zero one world title. Um the Fire Festival final against him and Harley Jackson, good Just shouldn't have gone 25 minutes because of his experience level, Mm -hmm. but it still had some flashes. Like, this guy's going to be good. Um, It's sort of interesting. I have no clue how Taka Michinoku managed to get this guy his title reign or anything like that and why Zero... I can kind of imagine why Zero-One's doing it, considering the state of the company's in. Uh, But, yeah, I think he absolutely has potential, and I will definitely be watching any more Zero-One that makes tape next year.
2: Uh, there's always the one one show. That's like the the one zero one show I watch every year. So which usually airs live on Samurai, I think. we'll see if that's still the case this year. But yeah. Uh, you know, it's a it's definitely a promotion that flies under the radar. Well
4: you know, and they lost just, so many people this year too. Yeah, like, who,
2: they lost Yuji Hino.
4: Hino, Sato, Kohisato, and yeah. Kudo Hidaka and Takaiwa.
2: There you go. A lot of yeah. Ooh, and
4: Takaiwa, like the other guys, have surfaced elsewhere, but Takaiwa's doing opening matches on the scuzziest indies.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, wait, Kudo Hodaka showed up in all Japan, right? He did that junior title. Yeah, guy. and
4: some people think he's popping up in Noah too.
2: Okay, so I guess we'll see. Uh, and Hino, where where has Hino been?
4: Also, I think he's going to Noah because there's also a mystery heavyweight coming in now. Oh,
2: there you go. So. Uh, you know, we, we didn't really we actually didn't touch on this as much, but obviously, the the biggest story for Noah is just like with the with the uh, the backing they have now with Cyber Agent. I mean, they could just get whoever the fuck they want basically. So you know, there's just they are kind of like the 500 pound gorilla of the uh, of non New Japan I guess serious pro companies now. So
4: I'll just touch on this quickly, but this sort of came out within the last week. But uh, all Japan's president Suyoki Fukuda basically invested in a in a Toei. The, the film company to a horror film that ended up grossing a lot of money because it was like the only thing in, in theaters in Japan, oh, yeah. which apparently remained open. And so they got a lot of money. It basically helped save the company because they're not even running a full schedule of shows. And uh, Fakuda and an unnamed wrestler who I am assuming is Kento Miyahara is appearing in a horror film coming out next year by the same director. Well,
2: there you go. There's all Japan's. Uh, mainstream connection, I guess. So they're they're. You're basically saying they're on slightly better financial backing than people. Yeah, thinking. and they're
4: going to continue like doing following this film stuff to get exposure.
2: Yeah, so that's interesting. So the one the ones I guess you would really have to worry about if you're a fan are like Big Japan Zero One and all those that I guess people are pretty
4: pretty used to worrying about. Well, anyway. certain people of certain standing seem to be still willing to finance Zero One.
2: So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Big Japan obviously had a crowd fund their bus. So you know uh the last thing we can touch on i guess because i you know that happened this year uh wrestle one ran shows this year believe it or not uh they ended their year back on april 1st uh with the final show at Korakin. so we did we did a little bit on this much earlier in the year during uh, a couple different episodes but i guess does anyone want to say anything about the end of wrestle one and what their quarter of a year was like
4: uh, it wasn't bad. Uh, Nakajima was a great like asshole champion, like just terrorizing everyone in in Russell One. Um, and it was it was Russell One. It was like fun undercard, easy watch, two hour shows. Sad to go away, um, but on on one level, I'm kind of surprised it was the only one. Although this was going to happen, COVID or not. Yeah, so.
2: that was pretty clear. I think that COVID didn't really do anything. But had nothing to do with it. So, uh any no one else wants to talk about Wrestle One or Zero One or anything? No?
3: Uh, no, but I think like yeah, Wrestle One, like going away, like in, on the one hand it's sad for like guys to like lose a place they could work at. On the other hand, I think there's definitely a lot of promotions that have benefited from like the influx of like WrestleOne talent. Like I, I think it it in on you know, on the one hand, yeah, it's sad, like it's one less place for people to work, but on the other hand, I think it's actually somewhat healthy for the scene as well that like at least some promotions go away and then the talent pool becomes a bit wider for the other promotions because there was kind of a bit of a shallow talent pool in a way because everyone kind of had their own promotions and then they all had like one or two main eventers and then like a whole bunch of gov, and now like those guys can kind of go to other promotions and kind kind of widen the like top level talent pool in those promotions. But it obviously also depends on like those promotions actually making use of those talents at the top level as well. But like as a whole, I think it actually has helped some promotions that WrestleOne has gone away as sad as it is. There you
2: go. Uh, so the other thing we, we're not talking about here is Dragon Gate, um, mostly because, like I said, the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network has a great Dragon Gate podcast, so you can get all your coverage there. Um, but the Dragon Gate stuff will be eligible when we do our top 10 matches and our awards, which we're about to do now. Uh, so just oh, sorry. Mention... Uh,
4: one thing, since we just did talk about wrestle one, I watched, uh, well, I watched the debut show of Vamo star, which is the um, Masayuki Kono and Andy Wu sort of like produce promotion. And then I also watched the show from December 11th last night, actually. And I will say they're not blow away, but they are very solid. Like the, the, the show from last week had a main event of Koji Doi versus um, Yuji Hino, which was pretty good. So if you were a dedicated Wrestle 1 watcher, it's worth checking out Vamo Star.
3: Okay, there you go. Yeah, and may- maybe one more thing. Like, I haven't actually seen it yet, but maybe someone else here has. Like, has anyone seen The Great Space War? Because I think that dropped today as well.
4: I just downloaded it. I'm going to watch it after this. No one mentioned Gleet, by the way. Oh, the, the great debut show was a lot of fun. I, I really liked it.
2: Gleet. Just a fun name to say. But yeah, okay. Let's get into the awards and the top ten matches. Um, but yeah, these like I said, anything other than New Japan uh, or DDT or Joshi is eligible here. So any men's Japanese wrestling otherwise is eligible. Uh, we'll do the top ten matches first. So does everybody have a top ten list? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll just go one by one here. So for my tenth place match, I went with the All Japan... World Junior Heavyweight Title Match: uh, Susuma Yokosuka versus Francesco Akira from the All Japan February 11th Korkin. Um I had a whole bunch of matches at four and a quarter that you know I just kind of picked one here that I really that I remembered really well, and I remember loving this 11-minute sprint of a match. So you know this is what I decided to go with. Just a really yeah, fun, cool. yeah, really fun little Junior Title match here. That I decided to put in 10th place. Paul, what do you have in 10th place?
3: Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, there's one uh, deathmatch match that was the exception to the uh, rule of the uh, big Japan deathmatch match division this year, and that's uh, Abdullah Kobayashi uh, versus, versus Toshiyuki Sakura and uh, and uh, oh, fuck, I wait, <laughs> uh, yeah, not that Ishikawa. Uh, so uh, that one was just uh, like a tremendous, like it was probably like. My favorite match of the whole no fans era. Like I'm not gonna lie, like I had I struggled really hard getting into any of the no fans matches. So, but that one just like caught me right in, and I think that one actually worked better with no fans. Like just like three guys in a dirty warehouse, just hitting each other with shit, and just doing crazy spots as well, and including the nastiest spot of the whole year, where Sakura and the post match. Was just like leaking blood out of his arm, and he just directs the like blood spurt into his mouth and drinks his own blood. <laughs> like that was just like like just that spot alone. Like I think warrants the inclusion of the match on my list.
2: All righty. Gerard, tenth place. Uh,
4: my tenth place match is uh, Suwama versus uh, Shitairo Ashino for the Triple Crown from June thirtieth. Uh, I thought this was really great. Uh, we can uh, I'll bitch about the ending, of course, but just a really awesome performance, especially by Ashino. Uh, Suwama's been hit or miss in singles matches. Uh, he tries sometimes, but they just his age is catching up with him. But I thought Ashino covered up for uh, Suwama's like sort of physical limitations really well here.
2: All right, uh, and John, your tenth place match
4: uh, in tenth, I've got uh,
0: Yuya Aoki against Fuminori Abe for the uh, Big Japan Junior Belt, uh, February 11th. You could really take. There is a couple Yuya uh, Aoki defenses you could have just slid into this spot, uh, but this is probably the strongest one. Abe was really great this year. Um, I know some people were talking about this match. I think some people probably saw it, um, but I can't speak highly enough about UAOki Aoki this year.
2: Uh, ninth place I have from the N1 victory block A, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Misaki Mochizuki uh, from the NOAA September 18th show at Nagoya Congress Event Hall. Uh, this was the 30-minute draw. It was my favorite block match of the N one victory, my favorite match other than the other than the final. Uh, you know, even though I didn't I didn't really watch any Dragon Gate this year, but Mochizuki was awesome in the N one. Uh and I thought this was like you know, Kaito was awesome all year as well. I just thought they had a really magical match here. So definitely my favorite N one match. other than the final. Uh Paul, your ninth fights match.
3: So <laughs> This is actually my ninth place match so. as <laughs> well. Yeah, I think that was just a tremendous match. Like, that's, like, the thing that really got me into the N1 as well, where, like, it just got me. It's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a great tournament. Like, it, it did kind of feel like it was going to go long, but I didn't, still didn't really figure out that it was going to be a draw, and I really like the desperation both men showed, like, down the stretch as well, where they just started hitting each other with just big bombs, like, just trying to put like, the other men away, and but no one wanted to stay down, and it just ended in a draw. And I think that's really just about the best way you can actually do a draw in one of these tournaments, so just a great match overall.
2: So to be clear, you also picked Kaito Mojizuki. Yeah, okay. So Gerard, your ninth place match.
4: I'm going to pop into Dragon Gate uh, for Kaito Ishida versus Keisuke Okuda from uh, uh, Gate of Destiny on November 3rd. All right. Just, I think a lot of people have been talking about this match. It just, it just ruled hard hitting. A little different in Dragon Gate. Uh, I, I'm not going to like say that I don't like Dragon Gate, but it's not necessarily a style that like is my first choice when I'm watching Japanese wrestling. But I thought these guys were so fucking awesome, just like stiffening each other.
2: John, your ninth place match.
0: My ninth place match is uh, Daisuke Harada Harada against uh, Hajime Ohara on the, uh, January 30th the semis of the global uh, the junior global league. Uh, Harada's like day in totality is really a big moment there on the finals. He goes against Dick Togo on the same show and that's a great match too, but this was my this is my favorite junior match in Noah, one of my favorite junior matches anywhere. Real real mean match. Uh,
2: my 8th place match, a match I expect to be much higher in some of your lists. Koji Ozaki versus Takashi Zugera for the Jade Saberweight title uh, from December 6th in Yogi, um, I went four and a quarter on this. I know a lot of people had it at five or, you know, close to five. I just felt it didn't quite live up to that hype for me. Just dragged a little bit, especially with the 51-minute match time. But uh, still a tremendous match, still an awesome match, but definitely a little lower on it than a lot of other people seem to be. Uh, Paul, what is your eighth-place match?
3: Yeah, so my eighth place match is the Real World Tag League, quote unquote, uh, final. So uh, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto versus uh, Yuma Ayagi and Kentomiyahara, just like another like tremendous tag team performance. Like I think I really liked the Real World Tag League final last year as well. I think I put that on my top ten list year in that year as well, and it makes my top ten list again. Like just I think Gerard has talked about how Yuma has been the MVP of the tournament this year. And he was last year as well and especially in the final like it just like a tremendous performance by him where he just really shows like he can go in the singles but i think really his best work so far has been a tag team and just an overall strong performance by all four men but especially you may um... uh
4: go ahead gerard your eighth place uh, eighth place for me is astronauts uh, Takuya Nomura and uh, Fuminori Abe versus Strong Hearts, uh, T Hawk and Al Lindemann from Big Japan on November 23rd for the uh, Big Japan Tag Titles. This is an awesome sprint. I think it just went over 14 minutes. Just like, just a like to me, sort of the distillation of this the great year that Astronauts have been having, and I think one of the best tag teams in the world. So, uh, to me, that was the one that stood out the most from their reign so far this year. John.
0: Oh, hey, my number 8 is uh Yuji Hino against Kohei Sato on March 1st at the 0119th anniversary show um i think this is some real uh top notch bar fight wrestling <laughs> some uh, some real goon shit i uh, liked it a whole lot i think this is the only 01 match i Zero uh, One show i watched all year so uh to me 01 had a fantastic year but- <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, seventh place for me: a match is going to get me booed by Gerard. The GHC Heavyweight Title: Go Ozaki versus Kazuyuki Fujita. Now, March twenty ninth, Corken Hall. Uh, you know, I already talked about it. It was like a fever dream match, and you know, I had a fever at the time, so I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> Paul, what's your seventh place match?
3: Yeah, so my seventh place match is uh, Keiko Kuda versus Kaito Ishida. From uh, Cobra Pro uh, Wrestling World, uh, just I liked this match slightly more. Like I, I, I kind of wanted to, I didn't want to put both matches on my list, so I had to pick between that one and the Gate of Destiny match. And I just liked this one slightly more. Like they're both tremendous matches, and like the feud overall is great, but I just liked this one a little bit more. And it's just like overall the chemistry is just off the charts, and this was just like two guys just like completely beating the shit out of each other for 11 minutes. And it was tremendous. It it is a bit unlike the normal Dragon Gate style, but I think it works really, really well. And I think kind of with the guys that are coming up, we're going to see there's a lot more on Dragon Gate going forward. And I'm just very excited that like Okuda and Ishida kind of provide a template of what like Dragon Gate might look like in the future. Because if it's like this match and the other matches that they've had, like that's going to be like a really hot one for the promotion.
2: Gerard
4: already got in seventh. Uh, the real world tag league, quote unquote, finals. Uh, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto versus Kendo Mihara and Yuma Aoyagi. Uh, we've already discussed this match a lot. I'll just say, though, I really did love the way that Yuma would troll Jake Lee to get a response out of him. It was great.
2: John, seventh place.
0: Seventh place. I just watched a couple hours ago. It was uh, from today's uh, Dragon Gate Final Gate show. Uh, I maybe could have even gone higher on this, but I feel weird just plugging a match I watched two hours ago. Too high on the list. But uh, the unit disbands match between RED and the Toriamon generation. um, It's just happened, so I don't know how much I want to spoil. But uh, this thing is like full of wild moments that I can't believe they put together in one match. Um, And really, uh, I'm sure it'll come up again somewhere, but Dragon Gate's... Uh, pushing of all their rookies all at once and turning them all into stars at once really crystallized in this match. Real bold choices made. Incredible match.
2: Uh, sixth place, I went with Kentō Miyahara versus Jake Lee for the Triple Crown title. All Japan, January third at Corkin Hall. Uh, this is my first four and a half star match on the list. Uh, to be honest, it's been this year feels like a hundred years, so I barely remember a match from January 3rd 2020 at this point but I definitely loved it at the time um you know I just I I don't remember it at all (laughs) but that's why I put it as my lowest rated four and a half star match and that's where having a spreadsheet comes in handy I guess because I probably would not have remembered the match just off the top of my head but apparently I liked it at the time that's about all I can say Paul what do you have here for uh sixth place
3: yeah, so my sixth place is Ozaki versus Takashi Segura. Uh, the match that you already talked about, John. Uh, I also really, really like this match. I also didn't hit as high for me as it might have done for other people as well. Part of that is because when I watched it live, I actually didn't like the match at all. But I was like in the middle of like you know, like week weekend long like nervous breakdown because of like organizing like a move and like getting rid of an apartment in the middle of a global pandemic, which. Uh, uh <laughs> surprisingly, kind of grinded on my sanity a little bit. And I did rewatch it later, and I actually still really liked it. But still, like, because I didn't really like it when I watched it the first time around, I don't think I can rank it any higher than I have right now. But still, a tremendous match overall, anyway.
4: Uh, what do you got here, Gerard? Sixth place, sixth place. Uh, Suwama versus Kento Miyahara for the Triple Crown from March 23rd. Uh, I love this match. Uh, Perhaps I would look back on it more fondly if things had gone the way that I thought they would go without the pandemic. Uh, But still, uh, they always have really good chemistry and are able to, like, you know, do a four and a half star match. And they did it again here. Uh, I thought uh, probably one of the best closing stretches of any of their series of matches, too. Uh,
2: John, sixth place.
4: In
0: sixth, I have uh, Kaido Kiyomiya and Go Shiozaki from January 4th. Um, everyone loved this match, I think. I remember watching this on the treadmill. Uh, I don't remember much else about it, but looking at my... <laughs> it's a long time ago, but looking at notes I have from it, uh, it appears that back then, I thought this was one of the first times that Kiyomiya looked like the champ, uh, and not you know a guy struggling from underneath. And it's funny because that's when he finally lost. Uh, but yeah, love <laughs> the And it came at a time, you know, like during like the two days of Wrestle Kingdom exhaustion where like everything feels special uh and wrestling seems very cool.
2: Uh fifth place I have Goshiozaki versus Katsuhiko Nakajima, uh from the All Japan or not all Japan, Goshaki versus Katsuhiko Nakajima from the NOAA November twenty second uh Yokohama Budokan show which was also four and a half stars. Uh, Again, I guess I was a little lower than some people on this, although uh, looking on Grapple, I think I was right in line with the average on this one versus quite below it on the uh, Go Sugera one. But I thought this match was awesome. I mean, some of the strikes in this match got so brutal that it was honestly starting to get a little uncomfortable. But, I mean, that's kind of how style. I get it. But, man, like those slaps to the fucking face that Go was doing and the... This, these kicks that Nakajima was doing. There's one like high kick. I just wanted to scream like it's fake at the television screen a few times. But you know, s- disgusting in a good way. Uh, definitely a, a pretty amazing match. Uh, you know, if if I had any complaint, I think this might have been the one where I thought the maybe the finish was a little weak. Like the because Go just kind of picks him up and short arm lariat him. I think for the finish. I didn't take notes on it, so I'm going off of memory here. It was either that or the Sugero one because I watched them back to back. But, you know, in this case I think that may have been like a flaw I had with it. But yeah, it was a pretty outstanding match. Uh but definitely, you know, again, this a good start to the top five here for sure. Uh what do you have here fifth place,
4: Paul?
3: Yeah, fifth place I have Ata versus uh, Naruki Doi from Memorial Gate. Uh that was just a tremendous match. It ended like Noruki Doi's really, really good title reign, uh, from the first half of the year uh, to finally put the belt on Ata and Doi just tried his best especially early in the match to just kill Ata like I very distinctly remember like him hitting the Doi fives on Ata to the outside of the ring and Ata's head literally missed the apron I think by like a millimeter not more than that like it looked really really scary like he and Ata also committed to that fall as well like he didn't put his hands up or anything like if he had hit the apron like he probably would be dead now like, that was just a great measure And then after that, like, he finally managed to, like, grind down Doi and just end his, like, long, tight reign and just, like, finally, finally after, like, lots of lots of chances, finally win the Dreamgate. Like, I don't really think that I really overall, like, liked his Dreamgate reign after, but he really, like, started that reign on a high note.
2: Gerard already got in fifth place.
4: Uh, Jake Lee versus Kento Miyahara from January third. Uh, th- this match has already been discussed. Uh, yes, Although I barely did... said anything about it. So sure, but well, I mean, there's not much to discuss. Like they're <laughs> awesome. They can do this in their sleep almost. Even though like the match by the time this had come around, this is like the their third or fourth singles match. Yeah. since like April of 2019, and they're they're still good. Uh, we can discuss what really should be happening with Lee. But, like, you know, it's still a great match, one of the best of the year.
2: Uh, John, what do you got in fifth place?
0: In fifth place, I have... Oh, no, I shouldn't have closed my list. Uh, I have it right here. Okay, in fifth place, I have... uh, Oh, I think I'm the world's highest on this match. Uh, I have Nakajima against uh, Keno from... uh, I lost what night it was. The GFC Um, national
2: title match, right?
0: No, it was the... the, I like the N1 match better. The N1 match, okay um i thought i just cut a lot of the fat out i'm a sucker for these like stiff kick heavy matches that these two do as good as anybody i had to have one of their matches represented in here i like this one a little more i went four and three quarters on it i yeah. was freaking out for it uh real nasty match uh i'm gonna sound like a broken record because nakajima shows up a couple more times in my list but all these matches look like snuff films uh <laughs> real good stuff
2: Uh, Fourth place, I have the champion carnival final, Zeus versus Kento Miyahara from All Japan, October 5th at Korokan. Just an outstanding final. I mean, just obviously uh, the best thing in this entire tournament by a goddamn mile. Um, You know, just really like one of these matches where you're you're just like, ah, they can still do this. That's good to know because with Zeus especially, he was just like squeezing people's heads the entire time. And it was really something to see him go out there and have... You know, another outstanding match with Kento, which he's obviously done in the past, uh, you know, instead of uh, just the fucking rest-hold eight-minute stuff he was doing all tournament long. So it was was an outstanding match, and also just a relief more than anything to see them do it. Uh, Paul, what do you have here in fourth place?
3: Yeah, so, uh, no, John, uh, you're actually a big baby, John, I guess. You're not the high man on the... uh, Kano versus Nakajima match because I actually have it at four. Oh, like the national title match. Like, uh, it, oh no, no, he it's...
2: went with the N one one.
3: Oh, he had the N one one. Oh, yeah. sorry, yeah, no, I have the national title match on Like, I <laughs> thought that was just like I, it also had the perfect finish as well. Like, to me, like all Kano like Nakajima matches have to end in a knockout. Like, that's really the only acceptable way for these two people for these two guys to have a match because they just like kick the shit out of each other like in a really nasty way. Like. It feels like these two guys like genuinely hate each other. I don't think they actually do, but I think they just realize that they both have like such style that they can just allow themselves to just be, to just beat each other up, and no one is gonna like have any hard feelings about it afterwards. So they just go like all out every time they face each other, and like to me, like the only acceptable way that can end is in a knockout, as it did here. And that's why that match is a bit higher for me than the N1 match. So I got that one at four.
4: Uh, Gerard, what do you have at fourth place? Uh, fourth place, Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Go Shiozaki from uh, November 22nd. I, I think there are a few people that have this near like the their top masters of the year or even better than the Sugiero match. I didn't think it quite was hit that high. And uh, the finish wasn't... I didn't quite like that finish, but I don't want to just say... It, Ruin the match or anything, just why it's a four and not like a one or a two. That was like you said,
2: we just picked up and hit the short on Larry, right? Yeah. Which, yeah, that that took it down. Still an amazing
4: match, and like you got to go out of your way and see, of course.
2: Yeah, that took it down a little bit for me too, but that's why it was fifth, I guess, and not higher. But yeah, pretty incredible match before that. Uh, John, what do you have at fourth place?
0: Uh, In fourth, I have from uh, a big Japan Kurakwin show on August 10th, I have a Astronauts, uh, Nomura and Abe against Kohei Sato and Daisuke Sakamoto. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the match where they won the titles. And uh, this match is wild as hell. There's a part at the end where, like, Sakamoto is hunched over and Abe runs up his back like a cartoon character and leaps off his shoulder to knee Sato in the face. Uh, And, like, uh, Abe and Sato have each other in leg locks where they're just punching each other's legs and flipping each other off the match rules uh i can't believe kohesado is on my list twice i don't know how that happened uh but yeah third place i have hideki
2: suzuki versus katsuhiko nakajima from noah on february 16th at Corkin uh this is my my favorite of the four and a half star matches this year uh for these promotions i just thought you know the the mat wrestling stuff was great That you know nakajima more than held his own there uh, I like the stuff where they brawl to the outside, and then they go back in the ring and just have this crazy finishing stretch where they're just beating the shit out of each other. And Hideki kind of shows that he can do this too. Uh, you know, just—it was just a, a match that I, I'll remember. You know, very very well. Just an outstanding match. Um, you know, one of my favorite things from the period right before COVID set in. I uh, definitely wish we got more of that kind of stuff from Hideki this year. It just feels like he—I don't know—I felt like he kind of dropped off the earth for a long time. Maybe he just doesn't want to get COVID nineteen, which I can't blame him. But uh, you know, he just it was a very kind of a quiet year for him after that match, I think. But uh, you know, definitely a, a match that I absolutely loved. So, uh, Paul, what do you have here for your third place match?
3: Yeah, so I watched this match this morning, uh, and then I rewatched it like just before we recorded, just to make sure that I'm like very certain I want to vote it here. And it's the uh, unit defense match, Red versus Toriyama generation uh, from uh, final gate today and that one was just an absolutely tremendous match I mean as John has already talked about there were some absolutely insane spots in there and some very 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 bold uh, booking decisions like dragon gate is just like on tremendous run and this just continued it like Dragon gate unit dispense matches like pretty much always deliver and I think this one definitely like delivered on the higher end of that like I'm actually standing here in like my mad blanky shirt and like Matt Blankey versus Jimmy's will to me will always be like the like pinnacle of like unit dispens matches. But this one wasn't very far behind and especially the way the booking worked out there. Like I think this was a great match and I think really the highlight people of the match were really I think Yoshino early on and then Dragon Kid down the stretch, like I think I can't praise him enough for like the performance he put in. And just overall, like, if, if you haven't watched any Dragon Gate so far this year, like, go out of your way to at least watch this match because it's very easily the best of the year. Uh,
4: third place, Gerard? Uh, my third place is uh, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Go Ozaki from January 4th for the GHC title. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, this was really the match to me where I was like, okay, Kiyomiya's really fitted into the ace Position because I thought his match just like two months before against Keno and Sumo Hall sort of suffered from the same, um, Kyo Mio formula where it's like get beat up for like 25 minutes and then make your heroic comeback with the Tiger suplex. Uh, this m- match, like the January match, felt like he finally clicked, he had this sort of ace, um. Uh, presence but it also helps that like go also sort of walked out and decided to be like also like i'm actually the ace i am noah as his sort of uh tagline or catchphrase has been all this year so it just sort of like the the, the sort of the presence between them both in the ring just sort of like really made this match well,
2: there you go uh john give me your third place match
4: My third place
0: match is uh, Go Shiyazaki against uh, Nakajima from November 22nd. Uh, Just buck wild. Uh, The only thing knocking this down is the brevity of Go's comeback after uh, the rest of the match is a crime scene. Uh, But uh, we talked about this match a fair amount. It's it's gnarly. Uh, Killer stuff.
2: Uh, second place, I have the N1 victory final. Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Kaito Kiyomiya from NOAA, October 11th in Ideon Arena Osaka. I went four and three quarters on this. I, you know, I seem to be one of the highest people on Earth for this match. I just love the mix of, like, Kaito getting his ass kicked by Nakajima. Like, Kaito, to me, was, like, you know, one of the best in-ring workers in the world this year, and he just, he wasn't, like, a super focal point for a lot of the years, so I think it almost he kind of flew under the radar in that that respect but like every time he was in a big match he was fucking outstanding and he took this ass kicking from Nagajima uh, about as well as I've seen anyone take an ass kicking in a very long time so you know I thought he was perfect here as the um, you know as the underdog babyface who obviously did not ultimately get the job done against Nakajima. but yeah really just an outstanding match and one of my two favorite matches uh, of the year from these promotions at least uh, give me your number two match, Paul.
3: champion. Oh, the...
2: oh, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah.
3: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my number two is the Champion Carnival final. Uh, Kentu Miyahara versus Zeus. Uh, yep. It was just yet another great match between Kentu Miyahara and Zeus, as they normally have. Like it, one of my favorite pairings in all of wrestling. These guys just have like perfect chemistry, and they essentially deliver exactly what I want out of wrestling, which probably helps as well. So just like a tremendous performance again by both men, just like a really hard hitting match. Just like Zeus, again, just slowly but surely trying to break Kento's neck as best as he can, and Kento just barely managing to like, eat out the win at the end there, after he just escaped a hellacious beating by Zeus, which was just like, yet another great performance, and hopefully we'll get this match at least once more, and uh, I'm really, really looking forward to it, to them facing again. Uh,
2: Gerard, your number two match?
4: Uh, My number two match is also Zeus versus Kento Miyahara, champion Carnival Finals to me. The best match in all Japan in all year, and at least it was actually a good match to uh, sort of signify their year. Um, Yeah, I I think Paul hit all the right notes on this. Uh, I will just say, though, I think in some ways... Uh Zeus sort of gets underrated as a worker because uh he actually kind of generally tries even under in like six a man and undercards, and I don't think he gets enough love to just how much of a consistent worker he has become in the last couple of years. Uh
2: John, your number two match of the year.
0: Well, for starters, holy hell, I forgot Kento and Zeus. That would have been on my list had I remembered. <laughs> um uh my number two is uh Ada against Naruki Doi. uh i thought this match was incredible there's all these like images from it that are still stuck in my mind from the day i watched it uh and it's this great thing where like ada cheats all year including after this match he never stops taking shortcuts but there's this great moment in this match where all of red starts like slithering up onto the apron like these hyenas and he waves them off and he murders doi by himself and uh on the way he takes this like wild set of bombs he takes this like gross sunset bomb off the top rope on his neck and then uh a muscular bomb that no one likes taking muscular bombs more than ada and uh the one he takes here is terrifying and they found a clever way for it to not be the finish and then he closes out doi who had this like wild run on top of the company with this like set of disgusting super kicks and this super definitive like win with a shit-eating grin on his face such a great match. Uh, my favorite Dragon Gate match of the year, for sure.
2: Uh, so my number one match, the GHC Heavyweight title, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Go Shiozaki from Noah, January 4th, Cork and Hall. Uh, again, also four and three quarters. Um, other people have said stuff about this match already, so I would just briefly say, like I said earlier, I thought it was the second best match of that weekend, you know, January 4th and 5th. Um, you know, just an outstanding fucking match. It blew me away with how good this match was um you know just i I mean i was expecting to be good but just uh one of these matches when you sit down and watch it that ends up just being really really special so you know to me it was never really in doubt when i made this list that i was going to have this number one it was just a match that stuck with me all year that i I went back and actually watched a couple times because i loved it so much so definitely a outstanding match here from uh kaito and go paul what do you got in your number one match of the year for these companies
3: yeah, My number one is Go Shiozaki versus Katsuhiko Nakajima. It's a match that has been talked about already plenty. Uh, to me, it was just like, I always need like an emotional connection to the match. And I think match delivered that in spades. Where I think Noah just did a tremendous job of like building this feud and building this match. And I think maybe the spot that I will always remember, I think, John, you talked about the fact that like it looks like a crime scene and it really, really did. It's like some of those like kicks that Nakajima was laying in were just like completely disgusting. And especially the one that will always stick in my mind is like when Go Shiozaki is kind of down and Nakajima just kicks him in the head full force and it looks like goes legitimately knocked out. And it almost looks like they're going to do like a referee stoppage right there. Because then Nakajima just goes down and he just starts beating on Kento with just some disgusting looking elbow strikes. Like, it looked, like, really, really incredibly vicious to, like, a degree, like, that I haven't seen in wrestling in, like, a long time. And you could just, like, feel the hatred between two men, which is really always a key to, like, a good feud. And it was here in space. And to me, it just like, the overall package of the match was, like, immediately after it was over, it was clear to me that, like, this is my match of the year. Uh,
4: what do you got here, Gerard? Um, Go Shiozaki versus Takashi Sugiera from um, well, you know, uh, December 6th, uh, obviously uh, been talked a lot about by many people uh, in the last couple of weeks I just thought it was incredible uh, did not feel like it went 51 minutes um, I thought the way, I liked it more than the Nakajima Go match just because I thought sort of the way that sort of Go like powered through this and managed to win and everything to me was a uh, more compelling at least to me uh and definitely just an incredible piece of wrestling and something that i think when we look back in a couple of years uh will people will point to at as like this is something that helped may noah like a much like rise again from the ashes type thing
2: yeah for sure john give me your match of the year for these companies <laughs>
4: um
0: doubling down on gerard my number one is goshi Ozaki and uh Sugiera. um I think Noah is so obnoxiously uh, far up its own ass as far as its history. But when it pays off, it pays off huge. Uh, and it makes up for what this lacks with the history between GO and Nakajima. To me, this match still... Uh, it's like the meme where you hit the blue upgrade button on GO and Nakajima. <laughs> uh, this one is so gross at times. There's a part where uh, uh Shiozaki's hunched in the corner and uh is just elbowing him in the face and they're all making the loudest most disgusting noises and you're like praying for it to end and then go gets out of the corner finally and then 30 seconds later he gets thrown in the corner to get elbowed twice as long and i'm like watching through my fingers he's making a face that reminds me of the end of the fly where gold pushes the pistol up to his head like just kill me <laughs> it's awesome I-, I love this match and where the nakajima match had a lot of moments where i was like the crowd should be going off right now and the sagara match the silence seemed appropriate uh i don't know if anyone else felt that way but yeah that's definitely that's my number two match in the world this year uh my favorite match from these companies uh
2: there you go so that's our top 10 match list obviously a lot of stuff there you can go back and watch i think and definitely some stuff i'm gonna go back and watch honestly uh, before we wrap things up here, we got two things to do: the awards, under the match of the year, and the questions. Not too many questions, uh, but let's go quickly through the awards here. Um, first of all, so what, the, the general idea of the awards, obviously keeping it to these promotions uh, in the observer style awards, the, the main ones that I use for the Omakase awards as well. Uh, who would be the winners for these companies? Um, you know, and, and would you consider them overall? So first of all, rest of the year, Flair Fez, you know, this is the uh, the mix of, like, MVP quality in-ring. Supposed to include business, although good luck this year. Uh, to me, the it, the really obvious winner is Goshi Ozaki for these companies. I have him third overall on my list uh, behind Naito and Endo, but I think he just had an outstanding year, uh, was clearly MVP of Noah with his title reign, and just really uh, helped rebuild interest in the company in the West, in the West, excuse me, and seemed to really... Um, you know, seemed to be very popular in Japan as well. So just a you know, easy pick here for these companies for sure. And he's gonna be, like I said, third place on my overall list. Uh Paul, what do you have here for Wrestler of the Year?
3: Yeah, so Goshizaki almost made it and he was the front runner until this mo- until this morning, uh when I watched Final Gate and that performance from Toy in the uh unit dispense match match just puts him ahead of go shiozaki again i think just toy's title reign was just tremendous uh, in the early part of the year and that just made him the front runner for like a good chunk of the year and then he was kind of cycled down as dragon gate guys always are uh but i think just overall like his the way that title reign worked where he it just really was like a proper ace title reign as well and it really made up for like the bad dream gate title reign he had like A couple of years ago and if someone had told me like a couple uh, like as well like two years ago that like doi would have like a tremendous like baby face title reign because he's such a great heel where it sometimes gets lost that actually he's actually really good baby face as well and he really showed that throughout this entire title reign where he just felt like the dominant champion who was just like always on top until he was finally felt by eta but otherwise he just felt like the unbeatable guy of the promotion like who is just better than everyone else and who just beats everyone else. And that just made Ada's title reign all the better. And that's really like the highest praise he can really give to a title reign is that it when it finally ends, it elevates the other guy in the match. And that just overall like made him my wrestler of the year. Gerard, what do you got here?
4: Um, Go Shiozaki, I mean... What's been said about him already, I think, captures it. Uh, because the my sort of omakase awards list, the other two people I had on there uh, aren't eligible for this sort of what we're covering in this episode. I think I would just like to say uh, honorable mention to Keno, who I also thought helped to carry Noah, especially the national title this year.
2: There you go. Uh, what do you got here, John?
0: Uh, I'm so glad Paul brought up Doi because I tried really hard to justify making Doi my pick, and I couldn't do it uh it's gotta be shiozaki uh throughout the year he, he even turned the the covid shows into a positive with that fujita match when you start seeing like new japan troll accounts saying things like i've got to check out noah you know that uh shiozaki left his mark it's uh it's wild you gotta hands down go shiozaki
2: what's a new japan troll account
0: uh, i shouldn't have said new japan troll account but you know like the stuff you get in your replies you know how <laughs> like these uh these accounts that have like 10 or 15 followers who just shit on everything i but, see. Uh,
2: i see <laughs> i guess, i guess i do get some of those people uh most outstanding wrestler which is just obviously best in ring wrestler belt to bell uh i've gone i mean for me the obvious answer here is kaito cuz i've loved everything he did this year and he's in my top 2 matches of the year so uh, for these promotions, it's Kaito Kiyomiya. I've gone back and forth on whether I want to give him the overall award too, or give it to Hiromu. I think on the New Japan episode that hasn't aired yet, I might have said is my second overall and Kaito's first, and now I think I've flipped it back to Hiromu first and Kaito's second, but i will probably flip it like three more times for the end of the year. Uh, but I think they, those two were like my favorite two in-ring wrestlers this year, uh, and Kaito just uh, just my favorite from this, this group of companies. And just everything I saw him in was great. And, you know, he was in my top two matches of the year for these companies. And just, and I thought he really came into his own as like a, like his his N1 victory run was just so awesome. Just just great in all, everything I saw him in. Uh, just a really, really outstanding year for him. And just, uh, you know, I think he's finally developing into the ace. I shouldn't even say finally, it hasn't taken that long. But he's developing into the ace that I think Noah will need going forward. So just great, outstanding year for Kaito. Uh, Paul, what do you have here for our most outstanding wrestler?
3: so my vote goes to katsuhiko nakajima uh the only other people that were actually even in contention were also noah people so kano and uh kaito but to me just the way nakajima wrestled this year was just like outstanding like he had a great uh title reign in wrestle one at the start of the year and then he just pretty much went through most of the like noah roster for the rest of the year and just committed murder in most of his matches where they were all just like incredibly vicious affairs and him just like beating the shit out of everyone else on the roster and finally being brought down uh, by Kano uh, to end his national title reign. And then also him being brought down finally by Shiozaki after he betrayed him and after uh, Katsuhiko just like dominated everyone in the end one was like Tremendous as well. Like his, like I didn't put it in my top ten, but like it was like one of the like last cuts was really that N one final between uh, Nakajima and Kaito, where like Nakajima just he just murdered Kaito, like he just dominated him completely. Like it was the most like one sided like tournament final you're ever going to see, and it was still a tremendous match. And just like all of his performances this year, like it was just kind of a no-brainer to vote him uh, most outstanding wrestler.
2: Gerard, who do you have here for most outstanding?
4: Uh, outstanding, I would go with uh, Goshi Ozaki, followed by Katsuhiko Nakajima, followed by Keno
2: There you go. Are they going to be on your final list?
4: Uh, no, because I have some New Japan people.
2: Okay, uh, give me your picks here, John, for most outstanding. <laughs>
0: Uh, most outstanding's got to be Nakajima. Uh, dude's been unstoppable all year, and I didn't even see the Wrestle One stuff, so he'd probably go even higher for me. Uh, even in the beginning of the year, he starts with the Elgin match. Uh, he's still doing Axis matches that are always great. Uh, he has the. I thought Nakajima had the best no crowd match of the year with uh, with Segura when he won the national title. And then all the stuff we've talked about since, his N1's great. He ends the year with the wild Goshizaki match. Uh, No-brainer, Akajima. And that's not even just his promotions. That's worldwide.
2: Best tag team? I did not think it was a great year in, for tag teams in nowhere at all Japan, which are the two promotions that I primarily watch that we're talking about today. Um, so no, nobody from, nobody made my top three. Uh, I have a New Japan, a DT, and a Joshi. Um, so I guess I'm going to give it to Jin. Uh, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto. I, I I liked their matches I saw this year, which wasn't a ton, honestly, but that, that Tag League final was really good and a couple other matches, I guess. But uh, they did not make my final three, but I guess that would be my pick for these promotions. Uh, Paul, what do you have here for best tag team?
3: Yeah, I mentioned it was a really great year for tag team. so but this one was ended up being actually fairly close. But I think I'm going to go with uh, Kazushi Sakuraba and Takashi Segura. Uh This team actually really caught me by surprise. Like when they actually like challenged for titles, I wasn't really expecting all that much. But Sakuraba has really kind of like worked his ass up as much as Sakuraba can, um, which which is really a positive uh, surprise. I want to say. And Segura is always great, and their matches actually have been really bright spots as well uh, on the Noah shows, and really have more than held their own against the tremendous single stuff as well
2: uh gerard what do you got here for tag team of the year
4: uh this is my actual uh final list because it it fits in so number one i have um astronauts um takui no more and Fuminori abe number two uh we haven't really talked about this, this promotion but this is the um miscellaneous Puro episode so uh chango and kaiji tomato uh, uh, i totally for- i
2: totally forgot about that that's a good that's a good one they were so good during the covid shutdown period
4: and uh, number three is jin uh jakely and koji iwamoto not just for their uh a real world tag league run but they started the year first couple months of the year also as all asia tag team champions it's had some good defenses there too uh
2: what do you got here john
4: um
0: there wasn't really a lot of tag teams to really think about that really made a mark this year but uh i was going with astronauts at first but then i thought about it and even though every astronauts match is starting to feel like a big event to me uh this year i only really had three other matches uh in my notes so i went with uh toshiyuki sakuda and yuki ishikawa uh and even though it's all deathmatch stuff, all year they've been killer. They were the best thing in Big Japan during the no-crowd era, and they've pretty much operated as this, like, punching bag for these veterans, and it's the only thing that's making these veterans look good. So either they're, they're making Minoru Fujita look good, or they're having, like, bangers like the one Paul was talking about. Uh, Sukuda was uh, feuding with Kasai and Freedoms, and they brought that over to tag team matches in Big Japan. Uh, great stuff from them all year.
2: Uh, then we get over to best feud since obviously we did mention the year already. Um, for me, it's easily Go Shizaki versus Nakajima from Noah. Just an, a really outstanding feud with the two of them. And just, you know, that by the time that that video, the, the video was playing during the pre match video, or the pre, the, uh, during the pre match, I guess I should say, for their title match, I just thought, like, you know, wow, this feels like a big fucking deal. You know, the turn felt like a big deal. Uh, just definitely a, a really good, really cool feud. I put it third place in my overall, so that's my pick here for these promotions. Go versus Nakajima. What do you have here, Paul, for best feud?
3: Yeah. So I almost uh, voted for Ishida and Okuda, but then I thought about it as well, and I just realized, like, no, I have to go. I have to give this to uh, Nakajima uh, and go. I, as I mentioned, like, it's my match of it's my match of the year, and I just can really justify voting anything else over that uh for feud of the year because i think they just built it like in a really great way and it was teased for so long and it finally happened and it fulfilled all of my expectations so like that just has to be my feud of the year
4: what do you have here gerard uh, i'm just gonna say i did go i did not go with go versus nakajima's feud of the year because i thought it was too rushed that's mm. just my opinion but um since this is the only one that qualifies that I put down for this episode. I put down Susumu Yokosuka Yokos- versus the all Japan juniors as my feud of the year.
2: There you go. Uh, what do you have here? Uh, John?
0: You know, hell yeah. to Gerard for giving that, uh, Yokosuka, uh, junior title run some more shine. Cause that ruled, but I have, uh, I have Ashida and Okuda from Dragon Gate. Um, it doesn't peak as high as going Nakajima. Uh, but to some people it does. There's some five stars out there for those guys, but, uh, the way that feud's gone all year and way before it, it, it the, the tension that they maintained between those two and the timing and blowing it off was great. Um, and it made it raised both their profiles a great deal over the course of the year. So that's my, that's my number one.
2: Uh, for best promotion for these companies, for me, it's very easily Noah. Uh, overall, I put them second, but just they had a really outstanding year. So really not even close for me. I mean, Noah and All Japan were the only ones I watched closely, anyway. But you know, Noah is a easy contender for best, and All Japan's sort of a contender for worst. Although, uh, obviously, there's there's a promotion on top that's hard to beat there. But uh, yeah, Noah is my best promotion pick for these companies for sure. Paul, what do you got here?
3: Yeah, to me, it's Dragon Gate. Like, I really, really like the top Noah stuff, but there's just too much Noah where like there was still the junior stuff I didn't like and then like I didn't really like the early no fan stuff. Whereas there wasn't really anything in Dragon Gate this year that I didn't like. So just this like just by sheer consistency, Dragon Gate Eeks Out and Over for me on the top spot there. And just the way the roster is built as well, like I think they're probably going to remain in that top spot for quite a while as well.
2: See I will say for all the hype they've gotten, they're not doing as well as I thought they would in the uh, year end awards for guest or patron so far. I mean, you haven't put your ballot in yet, so I guess you'll help them when you do. But, uh, you know, they're not, I mean, they're not in the running right now for first place. So just thought that was interesting. And, and definitely in either one. Uh, Gerard, what do you have here for best promotion?
4: Uh, best promotion, Noah, uh, by quite a bit, I think. Um, I will give honorable message to Dragon Gate, but I haven't watched the whole year, just really the last couple of months. And, and. But one other promotion honorable mention, I will say that I watched all year, Big Japan, which we already went over.
2: Yeah, because I saw you have them third on your overall ballot, so I think you're the, yes, only, I I think you're the only one who voted for them so far, so not a lot of people <laughs> were watching, I guess. Uh, what do you have here, John, for best promotion?
0: Um, I'm going to rule uh, Dragon Gate now coming first in the Omakase poll. As uh, obvious election fraud, I think you're using <laughs> Dominion voting system software. There you go. <laughs> uh, the uh, there's a
2: lot of people who haven't put their ballots in yet, including you. So you can yeah, help I'm you can help them out. So. Guilty.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, soon, I promise. Uh, I got Dragon Gate number one. Um, the top end stuff isn't uh, isn't as great as Noah, but what is? And uh, but up and down the card uh it feels like everything they do matters there's so many stories to invest in from the even down to the openers of every show they've taken like four rookies and made them major players the new masquerade stable is like what you dream it's like an internet nerds dream they took all the best young wrestlers and put them in one stable and have them just crush people uh it's everything you would ever want and uh all it's missing is uh, Katsuhika Nakajima. <laughs> um, by, the, by
2: the way, if I was going to dominion the shit, it, the promotion I have target would not be Dragon Gate. It would be one that starts from A and ends with a W. And they're doing quite well so far, much to my chagrin. Well, really, AIW it, is doing that well. Yeah, AIW is doing really well. <laughs> but yeah, they they they're doing really well in the guest one, not nearly as much in the, as the patron one, which doesn't surprise me because if you like like my audio enough to pay to hear me talk, you probably. Uh, you know, just you have to either tune out my AEW rants or, like, agree with me. So, uh, you know, they're not doing nearly as good in the Patron one. But uh, they're, they're doing pretty good in the Guest one. Uh, okay, best major show, the last uh, best category here. Um, I, so I don't have anything on my overall list from the top three. I have uh, a Joshi slash DDT show, a DDT show, and a New Japan show. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know where to go with this one. Um, maybe... Huh. I don't have a good pick for this. I guess I should have wrote one down, but I'm really trying to think of like a full uh, Noah. Because like when it comes to Noah, I, I just think of like really awesome matches, but not really really awesome major shows. And All Japan just didn't have a great year. I guess I'm a shrug for this one because I really don't have a pick. So you know nothing top my nothing made my top three. Uh, there's nothing I could think of that really stands out as like a. I guess I'll give it to that January Fourth show. I really liked uh, the. Go versus, uh, you know, Kaito main event show. But, like, it's really by default because I really can't think of any other major show that I loved. So, uh, Paul, what do you have here for best major show?
3: Yeah, I got Dangerous Gate uh, from Dragon Gate. Uh, I'm just a sucker for that cage match. Like, I just, like, always love all of the chaos that happens around that. And this one was also helped by the fact that it had, like, really solid undercard as well. Like you had like a really good Kota uh, Minora, Jason Lee, uh, Twin Gate title defense as well. Like that team actually was in my consideration for tag team of the year as well. And that was probably the best match of the reign as well. You finally had KZ managing to overcome the rookie Doi after being beaten by a drum by him earlier in the year. And uh, you also had a really good Ishida versus Chisuka Santa Maria uh, Brave Gate, uh, title match as well. So. All of that combined, I think, just made it like a really great watch and just like a good show of the year for me.
2: Uh, what do you got here, Gerard?
4: Well, uh, when I was putting this together, I had to think long and hard because like, my other two choices were New Japan. But for Noah, I went with Noah the Chronicle Number 4, which was main evented by uh, Shiozaki and Nakajima and had the Sakuraba and Segura versus Funaki and Marafuji match, which I actually did like. And uh, it also had Keno versus Kiyomiya, which also was a pretty – another like four, you know, four-and-a-quarter match. So in terms of uh, complete Noah shows, I thought that was definitely one of the top ones.
2: Uh, What do you got here, uh, John?
4: Um, I think it's tough because I think a lot of places
0: struggle, especially this year, to give like a big show vibe. And on that basis, um, I think the Noah January 4th show – uh, ranks high for me. It felt like a big deal. Top to bottom, uh, as far as just the, the wrestling that happened on the show goes, I think Final Gate today might actually be my show of the year. The last five matches on that show are all incredible. Um, and I wanted to give a quick, uh, honorable mention to, uh, the Freedoms June 28th, June Kasai, uh, produce Tokyo Deathmatch Carnival. I don't think I left any words out of that, uh, that name, but, uh, That show rules top to bottom. It might be the most fun I've had watching a single show this year. And at the top of that card, there's a uh, a Toru Sagira against uh, Takeda match for the the King of Freedoms title that gets cut off because Takeda, uh, go figure, is bleeding too badly. But uh, if that match had continued, that probably would have been a top three match of the year for me. And Toru Sagira's whole year has been amazing. And I saw this as my only opportunity to say so. <laughs> That's all I got.
2: Uh, and there we go. So I'm not going to, I'm going to make executive decisions. and fuck the worst awards. I mean, we're already gone like over two hours, 15 minutes. I want to get to the, quest, the few questions. Spoiler
4: alert. A lot of all Japan.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I know you were going to vote for Go and Fujita as your worst match.
4: Also, to clarify, I did watch that match live just to clarify that I'm not like one of these (laughs) watching later people. I might might be the only person that watched it live that hated it.
2: Yeah, you really did hate it. Uh, Okay, so let's see. Uh, I've got a couple questions. First of all, from Corey at QQAAXX92 on Twitter. Uh, Is Daichi Hashimoto underrated, overrated, or fairly rated? Anyone want to take this?
3: I think think at this stage he's fairly rated. I guess. I I agree. I think he probably got overrated a bit early on, and then he got like then people like swung the other way, where he was kind of like underrated because everyone just said he was just like a lazy slob, which he is to some degree. But he was still like I think producing higher than people were giving him credit for, and I think now he's kind of fairly rated as a guy that like he can deliver like a really good match, but it's just like way too like. Inconsistent most of the time.
4: Anyone else got thoughts on this? Yeah, I was going to say fairly rated. I mean, I I don't think like people were saying yes, he's great now. He or yeah, he's great. I think is is great as a perfectly acceptable word to use to describe him. But no one was like saying like he's like on Go Shiozaki or or Naito's level or or like a wrestler of the year. They're just like this guy's a solid guy that can produce a good like four star main event now. So I think he's fairly rated
2: uh john do you have any thoughts
0: yeah daichi rules i also uh unfairly would shit on daichi because his champion carnival last year was a nightmare
2: it was pretty bad Uh,
0: yeah and i just you know gave up on the guy completely but every match but one of his this year i mean he he has the title reign where every match kicks ass uh he's a great fat lazy slob (laughs) and fat lazy slobs are one of my favorite uh, archetypes of wrestlers. <laughs> and, I, I
2: I started calling it last like late last year. Like he, what the hell was that title match he had on the Sumo Hall show that was actually kind of good. No wait, that was the one bad match he had when he started sitting there yelling. There's some other matches he had like late last year that I thought were actually really good. But yeah, he like I don't know. I thought people were really too hard on him for a while, and now it seems like people come around on him a little bit more. So yeah, I would agree. Fairly. even
0: ready. after the title reign, he. Uh, the Okami team, uh him and Kamatani kick ass, uh in the the last two shows of the big Japan Tag League. Uh Daichi's the shit, man.
2: Yeah, there you go. Uh at RBX two thousand, with the exception of the Fed, has All Japan been the worst book promotion in the world this year? Yes. I agree.
4: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh by the way, one other thing well, I Well just... impact got pretty bad, but other than that but.
2: yeah i i just thought of uh we said we never going to talk about daisuke sakiboto i don't think we ever did what's his deal now like why is he he's just really that washed up
3: yeah he's just he's just old now <laughs> like he like he has been going like he has been working a really really hard style for like a really long time now like for like n- like people kind of forget how long he's actually been around i think he's been around for like nearly 20 years like I think he debuted like, in the early 2000s, or maybe even before that, if I remember correctly, and he has just been going for like 100 miles an hour since then, so I think it's just like, caught up with him, and he's just slowed down to like, a, to like, a large degree. Like, I don't think he's like completely completely washed where. he's completely incapable of having a good match. but like more often than not, he will just like, take time off, and he's like, noticeably slower as well now.
2: Uh, any other thoughts on this?
4: Uh, even though he's slowing down, he's still taking ridiculous bumps. Like, he took this ridiculous bump in the match against Okobayashi uh, maybe a month or so ago for the strong title, where he basically, like, went for, like, a suicide dive, but missed mm-hmm. and, like, hit the ground. And just, like, come on, man, stop doing that. <laughs>
2: uh, from the uh, Super J-Cast Discord, Rika Tatsumi, not not the wrestler but you know great wrestler she says uh what how would you and the guest plot all japan for 2021 um i think i've made it very clear that i would uh give jake lee the title first of all <laughs> like i would have jake lee i do have jake lee beat suwa mclean won the title uh i would do i would have like kento maybe get to the champion carnival final and lose to an outsider uh and build up jake that outsider to lose to jake lee and then i would build to another jake lee kento match in the fall where kento beats him to get the title back on him but yeah i would give jake lee like i would give jake lee like eight months this year to see what the fuck he can do because i really don't know why they haven't tried that yet really i mean like just give it a fucking shot at this point but that's clearly one that's i mean i think i made that very clear that's what i would do i don't know if anybody else has any uh
4: i'd break up the violent giants and uh, I would have the beat um, Suwama for the title. Then I'd have Kento win the Champion Carnival, but lose to Lee, hmm. uh, challenging him. And then if Nomura returns, um, I think you could probably do like longer term Nomura versus Lee for the title thing too. Yeah,
2: I was going. I was going to maybe just yeah. I was just saying I was going am sorry, we're talking about each other. I was just going to say I was going on the basis that Nomura is not able to come back. If he is, then that I would I, I like your plan even better than mine. But go ahead, Paul.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I would just go wild and just like pull the title switch like right away at the start of the year and just put the title on Yuma and just see how it goes. Like, you, like you know, you, like you're at the stage you now where you just have to try something. And I think, like, Yume Yagi isn't the worst choice. And then, like, if it doesn't work, you can always, like, put the title back on Kento, like, which is a safe choice. But, like, at least it's better than whatever Subama is doing at the moment. And I would also, like, as said, I would break up the Violent Giants and I would seriously downcycle both of them. Like, I would just have all of the younger guys, like, just beat both of these men, like, like a drum. And we'll just downcycle them to, like, something similar to, like, the New Japan dad status. That is... That, like Yuji Nagata and still like have now so like I, where, where they just like work with the young guys and help them develop because I think that's probably a much better position for them to be in and, like, at the top of the card and just on their way down I would just have them put over everyone like get beaten by Jake Lee get beaten by Yuma get like, you don't really need to beat Kento but like I would have Ashino like beat both of them and I would and I would have Ashino beat both of them like decisively as well in like short matches where he just almost washes Uh
2: John, do you have any, any other thoughts on what All Japan should do?
0: I mean, I would stick the tag belts on Kento and Yuma uh, because I don't think Yuma's ready for that big belt. But then again, thinking people aren't ready for the big belt in All Japan is why they're a disaster. So I don't know. But uh, you put the tag belts on those two, make those belts matter again without violent giants. Uh, upgrade Yuma. Anytime Yuma's in the ring with Kento one way or another, he's looking good. And then I get down on my hands and knees and pray that Naoya Nomura comes back soon. Cause that's really, that's to me, that's the big hope. He's the only chance of someone making a dent who's not named Kento. Uh, And if he doesn't come back, I don't know what you do. Put it on Lee, put it on anyone who cares. Just get it off Suama. Uh,
2: Finally, the last question here from Mark uh, says, Noah seems to have a great year for the most part after being bought by cyber agent and finally being on solid financial footing. What do you think they should or need to do next year to help continue the growth and success they've had this year? I don't have a ton of advice for them because I think everything they're doing is clicking pretty well. Um, don't I think... put the
4: title on Muto.
2: Well, see, do you really think that's that big of it? A... Because I've seen people say that they're going to like freak out. If they do that. I don't have any problem with Muto beating Go and then losing to Kaito if that's what they're going to do. But it's like a two-month oh. reign.
4: Well, the, well, that's the thing. That's the question. We don't know how long that reign yeah, is. Yeah,
2: that's, that's fair. If
4: he wins, I'm sure Kaido's going to beat him. But when does that happen?
2: If it's I, if it's like a month or two later, I have no problem with it. But if it's longer, then I agree that you do know, I don't need to see a bunch of mudo title matches in in 2021. But um, anyway, what what the thing I was going to say was, I guess uh, you know, I think they're on a pretty solid trajectory. I would say maybe. Figure out a way to book your junior division that makes a little more sense uh, is the best advice I can give them because it's it's very, very nonsensical right now. It's not even, again, not even something I hate, but it's like, it's just kind of stupid. I mean, just kind of figure something out there and like, let's have some stability in that division for a while. Um, But yeah, I I don't have a ton of, I mean, I would kind of just say keep on keeping on. I mean, I think being the anti-New Japan in a lot of ways right now is helping them a lot. And I would definitely do not, I would say definitely do not start doing run-ins. Cause like people seem to like them as a refuge from the current, uh, run in plague, new Japan. So definitely keep with the clean finishes for as long as they can.
4: At some point I would also, I wouldn't, uh, cycle down Sugera, but I would cycle down Segura, the older Segura gun guys, because they're always like second or third from the top. I think that space that could be made for your own talent yeah. sooner rather than later.
2: It's just fair. Uh, Paul do you have any thoughts
3: yeah I I would also like I would obviously like revamp the junior division a bit like they have some like younger guys coming up and hopefully they'll be ready to like fill the ranks because like pretty much everyone in that junior division isn't like a Noah Trueborn like they all like come from somewhere else and especially Hayata to me needs to be like relegated to like opening match duty because he's fucking garbage he actually would have been my vote for like worst wrestler of the year because he's just (laughs) so completely and utterly awful. Like, every time he shits the bed and he's actually pushed in that promotion to some degree, like, maybe not as a singles guy, but, like, he is, like, the junior tag champ more often than not, and, like, I just don't get why he gets this much attention by the promotion because he's just horrendous.
2: I mean, yeah, the two, people lump the two of them in, Yohei and Hayato, but, like, Yohei's a lot better than Hayato, <laughs> I think, anyway, but... Like I just both... came up
4: with what the Noah Juniors have to do. Yeah. Sign Yusuke Okada.
2: There you go. Uh, yes. he, he's he's going to go to CyberAge, I think, but he, he might go to DDT.
4: I think he would be... like I understand why people think he would fit in DDT, but I think he would just kill it in Noah. We didn't mention that. he.
2: Yeah. he so for people who don't know, he left all Japan at the end of the year after they booked him. Uh, bizarrely, which I guess turned out to be... You know the the burial because they knew he was leaving to go be with his mentor Akiyama probably but yeah he did he is officially it's like he's going freelance right now right yes so we don't know where he's gonna end up exactly uh John do you have Well a... he had
3: dinner with akiyama like the day after he left all Japan so that seems to be really like that seems like a very obvious tip of like way ahead of
2: Did Nakayama, like, didn't his tweet say something like, I I had lunch with the reckless man who chose to go free or something? It was kind of funny. But, uh, John, what do you have as your uh, advice for Noah? Uh,
0: I think they're doing almost everything right. I mean, I understand from afar uh, having uh, Muto come win the belt and drop it to Kiyomiya, though I do wonder, after these last three matches we've just watched go have how am I going to believe that Mudo can hurt <laughs> Goshi and Saki. people, people wrestle Mudo. Like they have kid gloves on, like they're going to break them. Uh, so that's going to suck, but I, 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 get it. Uh, the juniors, I don't, it, it's, I don't care what you do. Just let me watch Daisuke Hirata every so often. And I don't, that shit's a lost cause. I don't care what you do down there.
2: <laughs> I mean, that, we, we didn't mention Cena for nowhere before, but the production values like, uh, that a have behind them now is so, so great. I mean, like it really stood out to me watching that, uh, that Ozaki, um, you know Nakajima built, the the match and like the pre-match video. And it's just, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's basically, obviously they, they do a great job of DET too, but I know like a lot of people watch DET because of the comedy and stuff. So it's great seeing another like uh, high-end, you know, serious Puro company with, you know, produ- high-end production values under the New Japan. And I think in some ways they do a better production than New Japan does now. I mean, it just feels really, really like big league.
0: I want to know what those meters say so bad it kills me not Body, knowing learn, what those learn, little meters say. Just
2: learn katakana; it's not that hard. Like you'll know most of the, you'll know most of them for katakana if you just know the katakana, because they repeat all over and over again. It's like speedo, uh, like pow. It's like all English loan words, so you don't even have to like know the word in Japanese, but. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm like, I'm shaming you for not knowing katakana, but it's not that hard to learn katakana. Come on, John. It's a very simple simple alphabet. Anyway. uh, Actually, do they do speedo or do they do hayai or hayaku or like the actual Japanese? I don't know if they do or not. Someone can write it and tell me. They definitely do like power, which is like power. So anyway, uh, let's wrap this up here. Uh, First of all, thank you all for coming on had a great time uh really appreciate all of your expertise here with all these different promotions uh paul anything you want to plug
3: uh yeah just generally my writing on uh Voice of wrestling uh hopefully soon soon should be able to finish my stuff for the uh for your consideration match of the year series as i have been going on like i think that overall like you should definitely read that not just my thing that hopefully should drop soon and then our Secret Santa thing is going on as well. And then otherwise, yeah, just find everything I write about on Voices of Wrestling.
4: Gerard? Uh, The All Japan um, coverage at Voices of Wrestling will continue for the foreseeable future. I am not ready to throw in the towel, despite um, as negative as I am. Actually, the most negative I've been on the company in quite a long time. Uh, but I will be writing a year-end retrospective where I will bury everyone, including Tajiri.
2: <laughs> uh, looking forward to that. John? Nobody wants uh, to plug their Twitters, by the way, I've noticed.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm ready and raring to drop that Twitter handle. Here it comes. Uh, <laughs> follow me on Twitter at uh, Fat Man's All Right, and if enough of you do it, maybe I'll actually tweet about wrestling. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I write for Voices of Wrestling. I've been doing the Dragon Gate Big Show previews lately a lot. That's been a lot of fun. I uh, I play in a band called Timeshares. Um, good luck finding that. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, uh, I something I could plug. My buddy, uh, I play guitar for a by a songwriter, Roger Harvey, a friend of mine. He just put up a big uh, a big show, uh, you know, Zoom YouTube show. He put together performances from a bunch of great artists, people like the Menzingers, Laura Stevenson, Brian Fallon. Uh, I made an appearance on that. It's raising money for uh, for Neva, I think it's pronounced, uh, trying to keep venues afloat while the pandemic is killing live music. So uh, check that out. Search Roger Harvey on YouTube. You'll find it. And that's all I got.
2: Alrighty. righty. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase. Wrestling would not fit. Uh, next week, I've mentioned this a few times already, but it's already in the can. Our New Japan year interview episode will be on the free feed. Uh, it was a great time. Myself, Rich and Joe from the flagship, and um, and Damon and Joel from the Super J Cast. So all five of us on there. We go two hours, uh, really more of a debate format, talking about evil, talking about uh, New Japan booking, and you know what, why it's like New Japan fall, fell off on the West this past year, and you know what factors you can and can't blame, and all that stuff. But also all of our you know match of the year picks and all that good stuff too. Uh, you know all the different awards. So I had a lot of fun with it uh you know that will be coming on december 26th probably on uh saturday the 26th so like a late christmas present for everybody uh don't forget about the patreon patreon.com slash for more year interviewed content for joshi and ddt uh in the meantime thank you as always for listening and i will see you next time